Strap in your seatbelts, kids. Buckle up, fasten up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. No, it's not going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be a fun ride today. It's a Supernatural News Wednesday. We kind of have Parish here today. Um, we're going we're gonna to tie in a couple of letters to a couple of stories we have today. And by the way, we do need your parish here. Tim at darknessradio.com or go to darknessradioshow.com. Click on that blue button. Leave us your lovely voices. We want to hear your voices with your stories. Uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. First, let's bring in a co-host because, by gosh, we can't do this alone. It's a team effort. So we bring in the best in the biz. He's known as the BCB, the big cuddly bear himself. Beer City. Bruiser. Bruiser, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And I got to um, disappoint some fans online i'm not the fifth member of cody Rhodes survivor series team no 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 everyone i had about six retweets saying that they hope it's me (laughs) nope not me (laughs) i I was sitting at home thought i thought it was you too everybody thought it i guess (laughs) because it's the same day i'm returning (laughs) that's right because it's a it's a close friend um yeah yeah, and and there are a bunch of different clues there i thought for sure it's it's the bcb nope not me ah. <laughs> i will be in north carolina at wrestlecade well wrestling yes i will be wrestling well, but yeah, i will yeah. be far far away from chicago well there's red eyes <laughs> there is yeah those days are behind me red eyes just ain't for bad cameras anymore those a, days are behind me oh, not the kids are out of the house no more red eyes for me i used to red eye all the time yeah. To get back for softball games or plays or the graduations or trick or treating or whatever. Like, in fact, our first Jericho cruise when yeah. we landed, yeah. I had to fly back because I had trick or treating with the kids that night. So I literally went from the boat to the airport to home to get the kids dressed up to trick or treating. That's right. <laughs> we did come back on a, on a Halloween, didn't we? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it was a long, long day. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I remember that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very long day indeed, but a fun time. That's for sure. Oh, great time. Yeah. I want to do it again. Yeah, most definitely. We have to work our way back there. Any cruise I'd like to go to, as long as it's a theme cruise. I found out theme cruises are the way to go. That's right. That's why uh, we're going to do the Cruiser and Bruiser uh Beer Bash and, and Paranormal Cruise 2030. <laughs> we'll just, we'll set it out there and uh, we'll work our way towards it. I guess they had a Walking Dead cruise for a while. They did, yeah, yeah. Where they'd have people dressed up as zombies and stuff like that. Like, yep. that would have been pretty cool to do. Uh, yeah, it was also done by Six Man. Yeah, uh, Six Man does a lot of those, yep. don't they? they do the Burt Kreischer one, they did the Kiss one, they mm-hmm. did the Jericho one. They do a lot. Unfortunately, when the main cast went the way of the dodo, um, so did the cruise. So, yeah, we'll figure out another way on a boat. Sure, we'll get on a boat. Sure, even if it's just a dinghy and the two of us. Well, that's right. We'll get up. We'll, we'll go out and play other dinghy. <laughs> huh? Um, yeah, something like that. Sure. Uh, big show today, by the way, uh, Bruiser. And uh, I may or may not tell you a little story about my ride adventures today when we get to Ziggy's picks. Okay. Okay. Uh, I found out that there are there some of the worst fans in the NFL aren't the fan base you think. Oh no, <laughs> they may they may be Vikings fans. It is Vikings fans. Yeah, they're, they're a bunch of whiny bitches. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't uh, boy, they just can't uh, can't take a little bit of criticism. It's because they worship 
Kirk Cousins, and they shouldn't worship him. Boy, do they ever. <laughs> Boy, they can't, uh, can't, can't stand the truth, can they, about him. Do you think? And we can talk about this. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, Yeah, we'll talk about it. Let's get to the paranormal stuff, shall we? Because that's why people are tuning in today. Aliens, aliens, aliens. We got that in the beginning of the program. There's a lot of ghost stories today. Bruce. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, holiday seasons are usually when this these all come out. You know what I mean? That's how we got, you know, Christmas Carol and all that is is they're ghost stories essentially. Yeah. Well, it's cold. Like our friend Jeff Belanger was telling us on the Krampus show last week. It's a cold time of year. Uh, it's dark. There's a lot of spirits out there. When you hear the wind howling through the trees, is yeah. it actually the wind or is it the spirits out there that are screaming? <laughs> that's true yeah that's very true so we've got quite a few haunted stories today one of those haunted stories actually has to do with a woman who is a tv producer who's decided she's going to cut her rent and stay in an abandoned hospital but she's getting a little more than what she bargained for that's one of the stories we'll talk about today okay um also there's a lost nasa tool bag out there you can claim it uh, we'll talk about that if and, and what we do if we had a hold of a bag of nasa tools um, At least I hope it's not like it's actual tools and not like Buzz Aldrin's testicles or something. No, no, it's nothing funky like that. It's an actual bag of tools uh, okay. from from the ISS. So uh, we'll talk about what we could do with a bag of NASA tools. That's coming up a little bit later today. I know you're saying, what's that got to do with anything, Tim? Think about it. Think about the alien craft you could work on with a bag of NASA tools. You know, that it's just not like a like a, a socket set. Oh, no. I've been fascinated with astronaut tools since that home improvement episode. Right. Where Tim tries to steal all of them. I'm like, man, those are cool looking tools. <laughs> right. So we'll, we'll talk briefly about that today. And lots, lots more. There's lots on the agenda today. So let's get it fired up, shall we? We're going to start with our good friend Avi Loeb, who, by the way, as we go on, as the days passed, or as they passed, rather, it looks like those alien spheres that were dug up from the ocean. Yeah, the little ones. Yeah, may may not be so alien afterwards. <laughs> Come on, Avi. You promised us, Avi. You promised us. At first, the remnants of Oumuamua looks like they could be spherical in nature and alien in nature. And, and we were we were all rooting for Avi. We really were. We were, because Avi, Avi's a good guy. Yes. You know, and, and he's obsessed with Oumuamua, but yeah. he's a good guy. <laughs> well, he is. He's a great guy. And, and we, we truly want him to find that holy grail of alienness, if that's a yes. deal, if that's, a, if that's an actual term. I thought he had it this time with the ocean. I thought he did, too. But the Harvard astronomer and his team had found the objects while searching for fragments of an interstellar meteorite. We know it as Oumuamua. Uh, back in June, Loeb, who had been on an expedition to search for pieces of an interstellar object that fell somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, published a blog article describing the discovery of a mysterious, whether not just one, but many mysterious metal, metal spherules. That's hard to say. That is very hard to say. Metal this author wants to show how smart he is. Yes. Spherules. <laughs> spherules. Uh, with a composition he claimed to be anomalous when compared to human-made alloys. We found 10 spherules, he said. Why don't they just say spherical objects? <laughs> Make it easier for everybody. Because he sounds smarter that way. Yeah, he went yes. to Harvard. We didn't. Yeah, and he teaches there. You and I'd be like, we found some round things on the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> We'd say metal balls because it makes us <laughs> giggle. Would. Yeah. 
We found 10 metal balls. They're tiny balls. With little hairs coming out of them. They're alien in nature. Yeah, they're little little alien metal balls. Uh, he said, we found 10 spherules. These are most perfect spheres, he said. They're shiny, too. Or metallic marbles is what he's calling them. That's a good... Oh. I like that term. Met- I like that one, too. That yeah. one's good. Metallic marbles. I'll take it. I'm going to refer to my testicles as those from now on. Oh, yeah. Metallic yeah. marbles. Yeah. Yeah. But don't tell anybody you'll take a shot to the metallic marbles. No, definitely not. I've no. taken too many. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a rough career there, buddy. Uh, when you look at them through a microscope, he went on to say, they look very distinct from the background. It has material strength that is tougher than all space rock that were seen before. How about yours? Uh, tougher than most? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. They've been through a lot. All right. Yeah. I ruptured one in a match one ah, time. Ha, so. ha, 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 ha. Okay. Uh, Loeb's claims proved controversial to say the least and as things stand his paper on the findings has yet to be peer reviewed many scientists questioned whether or not the spherules I don't know why they keep saying that in this article we already said metallic marbles I'm just going to switch it up (laughs) I could call them the MMs yeah metallic marbles yeah, for short, sure. I like that too. Okay, uh, the MMs were actually from a meteorite, while others criticized his conclusions on their supposedly anomalous nature. Now, according to a new paper published in the journal Research Notes of the AAS, not ASS, but the AAS, because wouldn't it be funny if the metallic marbles came from your ass? <laughs> Just saying. Uh, the like met- if they came from Uranus. Oh, I see, see what I did there. I see, see what I did there. I see what you did there. They're finding lots of stuff on Uranus. Uh-huh. The metallic marbles might actually have a rather mundane explanation. Contents of nickel, beryllium, lithanum. Oh, I thought that was Sanaa Lathan, who had her own planet. That would be kind of cool. Uh, lithanum and uranium are examined in the context of a known human source of contamination and found to be consistent with coal ash as suggested from a publicly value or rather available coal chemical composition database wrote author patricio a gallardo i'd love to thank you him. patricio with a ruin obby's hopes and dreams <laughs> yeah but with a cool ass name like patricio yeah he was he was cool in school yeah Chemical composition analysis revealed consistency with coal fly ash. (laughs) That was my nickname in in the pimp game, coal fly ash. (laughs) A waste product of the uh, combustion of coal in power plants and steam engines. Sorry, Avi. Oh, so it's remnants of the old steam engines used to cross the ocean back in the day. Yep. Because it's not like the cruise liners that you and I are on. No, they used to actually use... If you can see the pictures of the guys shoveling the coal into those giant engines to keep it going. Yep. Poor Avi. Poor Avi. The meteoric origin is disfavored, Patricio went on to say, and then he stomped on it and did a little touchdown dance. Just saying. If Gallardo is correct, then it means that the meteoric marbles were not saying spherules. Although I'd like a nice bowl of spherule right about now. (laughs) <laughs> and some milk uh, are not even from space at all. Oh, now he's really digging it in. Deep. He not only stabbed him, but now he's twisting. Yeah, he is. 
Whether or not Loeb is likely to ever agree with this interpretation, however, remains to be seen. My guess is no. He's not going to agree. Yeah, I don't think he's going to say, oh, yeah, you're right. No, I think he's going to fight this tooth and nail. Yeah, he's going to go, nope, sorry, uh, not going How do we know UFOs don't run on Steam? That's what he's going to say. That's true. He's going to say, <laughs> who's to say they didn't go retro on the bit? And, you know, it's like a it's like a, a flashback Thursday for them or whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's just. These can be millions of years old, too. And maybe back then they did use Steam. A <laughs> Steam-powered UFO. <laughs> Oh, sure, the outside is as light as mylar, but the inside, no, they got aliens shoveling coal into the combustion engine. I can just see Scotty and Star Trek just shoveling coal away. <laughs> I can't keep going, Captain. Me back is broken. <laughs> Give it her all. She's got six shovels full. <laughs> six shovels full. Oh, no. Oh, oh, nerd. Because you'd say that if you were shoveling coal into a uh, into a into a steam powered UFO, you know that's a Midwest phrase. Nerds. Yeah, I say it all the time down here. People look at me like, "What is that?" I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just a thing. <laughs> saying, ah, nerds. It's kind of fun to say though. I it mean, is. You know, when you're not trying to swear in front of the kids. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> this next story comes to us from Heather Peterson. And I want to want to thank Heather. This is uh, and she put a little note in here. So this is part of the parish or part of our program. We'll throw it out here early in the program. She says, hi, Tim. I'm Bruiser. I threw that part in. (laughs) She didn't say, hey, Bruiser, but I'm sure she meant to. She did. She did. Yeah. Because she includes you here in the note. She says, longtime listener. And we are friends in the virtual world on Facebook. Well, hello there. She also says hi to BCB. See, I hello. See, she said hi to you. Hello, Heather. Uh, thought I'd share this in case you missed it. It happened recently. She said, "Love your show, and I never miss it." I'm missing the chipmunk stories, but love the Hulk squirrel talk. Oh, oh, by the way, oh, I also Hulk, chip, chip. What is it? Chip Schwarzenegger, whatever. Arnold Squirrelsenator. That's it. Yeah. Squirrels and Egger. I'm sorry. Squirrels and Egger, not Nader. That's a, he didn't yeah. become a cyborg yet. <laughs> Although I think he's working on it. I saw him looking now at is, the, is he sleeping yet too or no? No, he's been around. Because you said all the chippers are sleeping. Yeah. So he's 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 still like he's, that must be the testosterone he's on. Yeah. I think he well, I think he's shooting up in the backyard. Yeah. I found a few needles out there. I showed Mrs. Bruiser that picture, and she, she says, what's Cruiser feeding that thing? I know, right? He's huge. Yeah. She's like, is he got him a Planet Fitness membership or what? <laughs> I got him a little weight bench in the backyard like he's a little gangster. He's just out <laughs> you there. got it for yeah. Wicket, really, because, you know, you're I like, oh, know. here, Wicket, this is for you. And yeah. Schwartz and Chip came in. Yeah. No. No. This more. This is mine. This is my weight bench. Um. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, he's, uh, yeah, he's... Uh, He's on the roids. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He, yeah. Is. he, he doesn't cycle either. It's just. <laughs> no, he just keeps no. it going all year round. <laughs> he does. Because he was not that big in maintenance season. No. So, yeah. No, seen, you know, what probably happened is he didn't get any during maintenance season. Oh. He's like, I need to change something. <laughs> I need to get bigger and not and in the, I, I think not he in heard our, our AI section. He heard the Terminator <gasps> theme song. He's like, that's it. That's it. That is it. That is how I get, I get bigger for the women. <laughs> um yeah so heather uh i'm sure that uh, arnold squirrel swir- squirrels and egger uh appreciates the uh, shout out in your letter um yeah. i actually had a i had a listener who asked to see the video this week so i sent it to him on facebook 
It's a great video. I think I may put it up in a blog on darknessradioshow.com in the blog section so that everybody yeah. can see him. He's yeah, an impressive he, squirrel. He, yeah, because at first I'm like, okay, this is, he's just going to show me a picture of a fat squirrel. Then you sent it over. I'm like, wow, I can see every muscle in that squirrel's he's, arms and he's legs. He's toned, isn't he? <laughs> yes. He's toned. He's no body fat. No. no. <laughs> I'm jealous. Right. <laughs> if they had a Mr. Olympia for squirrels, I think he'd be in it. He would, and he'd win. He would, yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, so you love the Hulk squirrel talk. Well, Arnold Squirrels and Negger thanks you, Heather. Uh, she said, I feed all my little... All my little friends and oh no, all my little reds and big grays myself come fall. So she has squirrels that she feeds as well. Okay, she has so. reds too, which are beautiful squirrels. Yeah, they are. They are. So there's a link to a story that she sent us, and it's the second story in our in our menagerie today, and it comes from Beltrami County, Minnesota, where a flash and a boom rattled Beltrami County and neighboring counties here in Minnesota. Uh, the Beltrami County Sheriff's Office says a loud boom shook a large part of Bemidji, Minnesota. You ever been to Bemidji? Bemidji? I think I've driven through it, but I've never have stopped. You? I'm trying to remember if Bemidji is where they have the turtle races. I, I, I know I've seen turtle races up north, but I don't remember if it was Bemidji or somewhere else. Somebody's going to correct me on this. I don't know. I know. You know what? I went to a barn party in Bemidji after a wrestling show. We wrestled up there somewhere hmm. i remember going to a barn party and i won the uh best butt contest oh very nice the best yeah. butt of bemidji yeah ah yeah see i do i was the best butt in bemidji well this was 20 years ago it's kind of changed over the years it's probably a yearly prize <laughs> bruiser i mean you know yeah although if you'd like to challenge for your title back i'm sure that they'll they have the yearly contest up there. Well, the second place girl and I, we uh, we had drinks afterwards. And oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you compare butts or what happened? Oh there? yeah, yeah, we yeah. compared yeah. compared stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh, compared stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Went yeah. a little further, yeah. did it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was single at the time, so sure, hey. Yeah. Got to put this best button Bemidji to use, right? <laughs> Would you like to see what else is best in Bemidji? <laughs> And I guarantee you, this flash and loud bang was not my butt. <laughs> oh, thank God. Woo! Woo, that's close. Uh, anyways, the uh, Beltrami County Sheriff's Office says a loud boom shook the large part of Bemidji, as opposed to the sh- short part. Uh, and much of the neighboring areas last Monday evening, a week ago Monday, according to the Sheriff's Office, reports came in around 6.40 p.m. of a loud explosion after a bright blue and white flash in the sky. Are you sure that wasn't you? I swear, wasn't anywhere near Bemidji. Okay. All right. Well, it wasn't me either. I was nowhere near Bemidji as well. After looking at power substations and transformers, authorities shared the incident on social media, saying that they learned that the flash was heard and the boom was heard over not... Wait a minute. Can a flash be heard? No, a flash is going to be seen. Thank you, KSTP, for the excellent alliteration there. A flash isn't heard. It's seen. So the flash was... They learned that the flash was seen and the boom was heard over not much or not only much of Southern Beltrami County, but also neighboring counties. It's not well-written, KSTP. You know, KSTP is a station in town where all the graduates go to. 
because well, they graduated from not grammar school. That's no, for sure. No, broad, broadcasting school. We're yeah. We're uh, we're writing as an option. Uh, and then it blows my mind they can make mistakes because you have such programs out there like Grammarly and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. just type that in and it changes it all for you. That's how I do my emails nowadays. I can literally write, I like mud crack, and it'll respond with, thank you for your inquiry into this picture. I will send it out recently. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, they don't use it for their news stories, evidently. A Nymore resident captured yeah. the incident on a security camera. An additional video from the Bemidji Regional Airport, ask for it by name when you go to the ticket counter, <laughs> showed an object appearing to streak across the frame. However, authorities said it is undetermined whether the two videos are related. There was speculation from the sheriff's office that a meteor passed over, but that theory is seemingly unlikely, Bruiser. Okay. So the meteor talk is out there in Beltrami County. So they're ruling out the substation. They're ruling out the meteor. Mm-hmm. Okay. UFO! <laughs> <laughs> that's all it could be. That's all it could be. Authorities. That's sun- steam-powered UFO. They're that's bringing right. it back. That's right. It's a steam-powered UFO. It created a sonic boom. Authorities sent the video from the airport to a scientist at NASA who determined that the object was too horizontal to be a meteor and that more data needed to be collected to further eliminate possible other interfering objects. Authorities haven't found any damage in the area or recovered any objects. This has certainly been an interesting puzzle to try and solve. We still don't know exactly what it was, said Christopher Muller, Beltrami County Emergency Management Director and Public Information Officer, and now currently a guy who's got to scrape stuff out of his jeans. (laughs) Just saying. He said, quote, we appreciate the assistance we've received from federal agencies and science community in ruling out what it wasn't. And we'll continue to provide any subsequent information that is learned because we don't have anything better to do in Beltrami County, Minnesota. (laughs) He also went on to say the fact was seen and heard across a large area or such a large area is what is a mystery. He continued. What was it? Oh, I think it was the monkey that NASA launched into space about a year ago. It finally came back to Earth. <laughs> With the middle finger in the air. That's right. <laughs> Down it came. Uh, the flash and boom were calculated to have occurred less than a mile apart, according to the sheriff's office. It is currently unknown whether the source of the flash and boom was stationary or mobile. So uh, have they ruled out lightning and thunder? It's a good question. Like my, my in my head, I'm just going okay, lightning or thunder, a substation or a power grid, like the transformer type thing. You know what I mean? Exploding. Right. There's so many natural things. I don't want to jump to UFO and like. I'm I'm thinking it it was probably ruled out. I mean, because it was so powerful. Because it, it, witnesses are reporting that they saw the flash over an area of around 50 miles. Yeah. You wouldn't and that could be lightning and thunder. Well, over, you don't think so? Over 50 miles, no. Okay. And they said the boom could be heard from even farther away. It was loud enough to rattle windows, shake houses, and set car alarms off. So that's okay, a so little that, bit that more than thunder. thunder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Beltrami County Sheriff's Office said that unless there's a significant development, there would not be any further developments because, or updates for that matter, because by gosh, there's donuts to eat. So <laughs> there's all that crying in the Jimmy. <laughs> That's right. We got better things to do in Beltrami County, by gosh. Yeah. We got don't a, need to be looking up in the sky. That's right. We got to patrol bar parking lots and 
<laughs> I think someone's got to officiate the turtle races somewhere. Exactly. Uh, yeah. We got, uh, we got parades to be involved in and, you know, ice fishing season's coming up. Oh yeah. So, so they got to get all ready for that. Well, people are going to put their trucks in the lake. So yeah, you know, well, they got to pull the trucks out. Yeah. You got to pull the trucks out. So that's coming. So it's too much to do in Beltrami County. Police are inundated with reports of UFOs and aliens, but they won't release details. It's hopping in West Yorkshire in England. Why won't, oh, in, in England. Okay. I was yeah, say. Beltrami County. We've moved on. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, in America, why not? We have a whole committee for it. But nope, it's England, and mm. England still doesn't want us to believe. That's right. There you go. Uh, West Yorkshire police had the staggering number of cases where UFO, alien, UAP, or spaceship has appeared in their logs. It works out to about 56 a month or more than 13 per week, Bruiser, or nearly two per day. Wow, that's a lot. England's becoming a hotbed lately. It has, it has. West Yorkshire police have been flooded with thousands of reports of UFOs and aliens in the last three years. However, they won't release the details. Uh, Since 2020, the force has logged a whopping 1,805 cases where UFO, alien, UAP, or spaceship has appeared in the records. This averages out to, as I said before, 56 a month, more than 13 per week, or nearly two per day. The county, which includes Leeds and Bradford, is known for its high number of alleged extraterrestrial sightings. A Freedom of Information request was submitted to release the reports from January of 2020 to August of 2023, but the force said it was too expensive. (laughs) <laughs> they can't pay that one person to go back and look through every single right, file they have right oh no no mate we won't be doing that uh they did share one example which read male caller reports seeing four flashing lights hovering above his property in the street before a female was beamed into the sky oh now that's some action yeah that you need to to release that you need to start doing in the research ah but bruises are too expensive so, you know, because yeah, they don't want to pay Phyllis in the office to skim through all the paperwork. That's a few extra quid. We can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You're on your own on that deal. Yeah, never mind that somebody possibly was kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't afford to look for her either. So if you don't mind, it's 430. It's time for tea. <laughs> yeah. A spokesperson for what? Cheerio. Pip Cheerio and all that. We'll leave it up to the queen. to. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, too oh. soon. We'll leave it up to the king to decide on that. See, and I'm surprised they haven't changed because the king's obsessed with UFOs. Is he, though? Well, remember he did the whole thing in Canada and all that? It was him, wasn't it? Can he be that obsessed if if we're not pursuing this? No, he's... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Now he's... He's just happy being an ugly king. <laughs> Gosh, let's not insult the people in England. They listen to our show. I didn't say the English people. I said their king is ugly. Mm-hmm. Not one of our listeners thinks King Charles is an attractive man. Well, but maybe they love their king. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. You don't have to be attractive to be in love. Some people have ugly. Trust me, my wife married me. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say some people have ugly pets, but they love they love the crap out of them. Yeah, I don't think they. You know? they yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, you uh, go from the queen who in her heyday was like, hey, baby, to <laughs> this guy. <laughs> like, hey, baby. Yeah. Not, and not like an Adam Cole, baby, but like a hey, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. 
Uh, a spokesperson for West Yorkshire Police. We are so sacrilegious right now. A, so, a spokesperson for West Yorkshire Police confirmed we can confirm that we hold the information. However, it is not held in an easily retrievable format. So it's still on floppy disk, evidently. <laughs> it's either, or like I said, it's just handwritten and they don't want to pay Phyllis to right. go back and read all the reports. She's got trifocals. Yeah. Just saying. She's been there for 73 years. Yeah. Yeah. Do I have to read this uh, shorthand? It's rather embarrassing, your handwriting, love. Uh, during the period, there was 1,805 incidents containing the words. Well, we've, that's the 18th time they put that in this article. To They're determine, really pounding home how many they UFO are. visits they have. Yeah, and how they really, really don't want to read what's on them. Yeah. To determine whether these incidents are related to believed sightings, we would need to review each incident in detail, they went on to say, at approximately two minutes per record. This would take over 60 hours. What else are you doing? I mean, really. So 60 hours. So two work weeks. Yeah, a work week and a half. If you, if you do a 40 week or work week, take the weekend off, another 10, you know, three days, four days, yeah. you're good. Yeah, you're good. You got it. You're done. Yeah. It has been estimated that the cost of providing this information is above the amount to which we are legally required to respond. They went on to say, lazy. Yeah. I.e. the cost of locating and retrieving the information exceeds the appropriate level as stated in the Freedom of Information Fees and Appropriate Limit Regulations 2004, let's update it then, which currently stands at 450 pounds worth of work. That's it? That's it. According to retired police detective, 63-year-old Gary Heseltine of Featherstone, West Yorks, who now edits UFO Truth magazine. You're your next detective. Go in there. Say, hey, I will work. Put me back on payroll for mm -hmm. 60 hours. I'll take exactly 400 pounds to do it. Exactly. You can keep the other 50 pounds. Give me the 400 pounds. Yeah. And I'll figure it out. Come on. You're a detective. Get on the ball there. It's Gary, right? That's his name, Gary? Uh, no, the, the the guy who is quoted in the article. Yeah, it's Gary. Heseltine. Yeah. yeah. Get in there, Gary. Come on. Take one for the team, Gary. We want to know, especially if women are being beamed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 we might want to look into the woman being beamed up into a craft. I think that's an issue. Yeah. 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 It's probably worth taking a pay cut to go through yeah. those documents. Yeah. He said, it is a disappointing response, and I'm surprised that they do not have searchable keyword databases that could retrieve the information quickly. Well, that probably has to be put into a database. You're probably going through paper files. Yeah. If it's that yeah. old. Or microfiche. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, interestingly, they have admitted, he says again, 1,805 UFO-related events from 2020, which seems extremely high to me. West Yorkshire Police Chief Constable John Robbins said in June that they have 2,000 less staff and have 140 million pounds less to spend since 2010. Really? Nobody wants to be a police officer in York, huh? I guess not. They've cut back the budget. So there you go. There you go. Let's move on, shall we? Oh, yeah. Uh, a man freezes with fear after spotting a UFO hovering above him after a nighttime workout. Evidently, he was working out with Arnold Squirrelsenegger over there. In <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only time the squirrel is working out. I never see him on his little weight bench. No, it's, he's a nighttime squirrel. Yeah, he's a nighttime. He's a, he's a nocturnal workout guy. Yeah. Yeah. A man has taken to social media to share his UFO experience 
Uh, he claims it changed how he views the world around him and seeks advice from others who have encountered something unexplainable. Uh, according to this, when you look up in the night sky, you never expect to see something you can't immediately explain, but that's exactly what happened to one man who believes he's being watched by UFOs after spotting three of them hovering above him. Taking to Reddit to share the life-changing experience, the man who goes under the handle Etsky, or Etsky, E-T-S-C-Y-Y, said, Last year, I think I had my first real-time real UFO encounter. I would like to establish that I live in a trailer park in North Carolina. Oh, hey. Drop Welcome by. Yeah. yeah. Drop by on him. See if, uh, see if you really had one or not. I will. Yeah. It's a quiet area. Not much goes on at all here. And from my knowledge, there are no air bases or anything like that around here either. Detailing exactly what he saw, the post continued, it was 8 p.m., dark out, and I was alone by myself getting one last late night workout before I go to bed. There we go. It sounded <laughs> like he was getting one in. Uh, the park has this place where they put everybody's mailbox, which is where I was around at that time. There is no punctuation in this sentence, which is where I was around at that time, which is where I was, period. Okay. Okay, there's no period there. Around at that time, I decided to look up to where the mailbox place is, and I see three red lights. This guy has no punctuation, no sense of how to write a sentence. He lives in a trailer park in North Carolina. What do you expect? Holy. Surprised. I'd be surprised if he had teeth. Well, use some AI. I mean, <laughs> sure. I mean, speaking of, I don't think I have an AI story this week. AI's taking a break for the holidays. Well, yeah. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they weren't bright, but definitely had an aura and a glow to them. None of them were blinking like planes. Now that I've said that, by the way, Bruiser, now that I said I don't have an AI story for the week, I'm going to yeah. get 14 AI stories from our audience. Oh, probably. They love to keep the fear factor up between the two of us. Oh, yeah. They want us not to sleep at night. Yeah. So, so Tim at darknessradio.com, if you'd like to, <laughs> like to see us shit our pants and put Polly in it, evidently, for Christmas. <laughs> uh, they weren't bright, but definitely had an aura and glow to them. None of them were blinking like planes or anything like that. They were in an upside-down triangle position. Two of them stood still, and the one on the top left corner of the triangle started moving to the left and then back to the right and stop back in perfect position. Almost like it was trying to show me something. They sat there for, I want to say, about three minutes and then just ended up fading and dimming away. Interesting. Yeah. While some may be in awe after seeing a UFO, this Redditor, who lives in a trailer park in North Carolina, was filled with dread and feared for their life. Really? Why? <laughs> well, let's find out. The post continued. It was such a weird experience, and maybe it's where I was alone, but I got this feeling of dread and genuinely felt fearful for my life, like I was going to die or something. I was frozen up, to put it bluntly. Felt like there was a higher power. After they faded away, I went back in my house and never told anybody about this experience. However, the uneasy feeling did not subside. And ever since the sighting, the Redditor hasn't felt the same. That's in quotes. The man concluded ever since that, 
though, is the weird part. I have felt this feeling of dread and just can't get the encounter out of my head. It felt so surreal, and I want to share it here and maybe see if anybody has experienced these feelings after this encounter in an attempt to maybe feel normal again. They claim, quote, feelings of littleness, thoughts, and wonders of why we're here on Earth, what is the point of living, and what are we here as humans? I feel like I sound crazy, but I just haven't felt the same since that encounter and really needed to tell someone, even if it's some random people online. Some Redditors were sympathetic and even offered advice to deal with that experience. One commented, I don't think your experience is abnormal at all in terms of feeling dread and freaked out. I think you absolutely did the right thing by posting this and getting it off your chest. I had a sighting when I was in college and I felt very much the same way. I felt small and insignificant, but I also felt excitement and wonder. Fortunately for me, the excitement and wonder outweighed the small and insignificant. Leaning into this topic and finding more people who had a similar experience will help you. You will find that you absolutely are not crazy or alone, another person wrote. This shit has happened to literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people at this point. Hang in there, OP. Try to think of your experience as a gift. Another added, this feeling is indeed quite common from experiencers. You're certainly not alone. A third shared, it's just your fight or flight response to something unknown. Nothing wrong with that, OP. I had the same experience, but with something else. It's just an experience that will probably never happen again. Process it, give it a place, and go on. While a separate Reddit user empathized, my experience was so traumatizing that I don't look up when I take my dog out at night. I think it was the sheer size of it that terrified me and how low it was. It's been years and I'm a rational dude who's been in combat, but I get absolutely panicked when out at night by myself. Interesting. It is. The fact that he's a dread, you should probably still look up, though, if they're coming back. Well, yeah, but I, I get it. I mean, when you've seen something that's that traumatizing to you, you you don't want to look up again. Why, why do you want to tempt fate? Why do you want to try and bring on the same experience? That's true. You know, I mean, it's easier to duck your head and wish it away and go through. Well, if you've ever played baseball, superstition, you know, Um, I had my best friend in high school. His he had the superstition before every game. He would eat six plain hamburgers from Burger King with lettuce on them. Okay, And he believed if he did this, he would he would have a great hitting streak. Well, he did. And it lasted all summer. And he believed. Yeah, it I've, was, got, I've got those with wrestling too. Yeah, you exactly. Know, you know. Yeah, and and you it's know, good that he's looking for a group to talk to too, so he doesn't feel left out, right, or um, alienated, right. And I'm sure this person believes if they go outside, they put their head down, and even if you put a, a hood over your head, that somehow magically that's going to shield you from the eyes of these these strange aliens that are out there. Maybe you won't make contact with them. They won't recognize you and they'll go on their merry way. But to think that these aliens came from so far in the universe and they're going to ignore you because you're wearing a hood. Right. is probably a little ridiculous. I'm just curious to, because you always hear people get um, certain feelings whenever they're encountering that um, something extraterrestrial. I'm curious why his went to dread. You hear fear a lot mm-hmm. because you don't know what it is. 
You know what I mean? He literally said dread, which is a very scary feeling. I'm curious, are they projecting that on him? Or is that just because No, honestly, he, I, he doesn't know what it is. I'll tell you I'll tell you why he probably feels dread, because he's probably been abducted and doesn't consciously remember the abduction, but is having a body memory. Yeah. That that craft is not a good thermant on him again. He should look into to some hypnotherapy. You know, get in touch with that. Well, there's a group out there, and I want to mention it again. Um, we did a show with a group called Opus, mm-hmm. and you can look it up in our archives. Opus offers support for people who have had contact with extraterrestrials, who have been in abduction scenarios, who have just either had uh, a sighting, whatever it is, and if you need support with that experience, you can reach out to Opus. They're completely understanding. They'll find you therapy. And they'll get you the help you need. And they're non-judgmental. And they're a very which, good resource. Which I think this gentleman needs. Because he did say he's a soldier and, and suffers from PTSD. Well, so. No, no, no. Uh, the, there, was a, there was a man on Reddit who commented. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I thought this. Said he, okay, no, I got him confused. Not, not this man. Not this man, no. But either way, if you're suffering PTSD from this, you, sh- you need to talk to somebody. Right, right, exactly. And Opus is the perfect place to go talk. Yep. Because they won't judge. They won't judge him. They will get him the help they need. He needs and and listen to his story. Yep. And Opus is available also if you just Google Opus. Even if you don't go to the archive, uh, if you just uh, Google Opus O P U S and look for them online, uh, their website comes right up. Okay. So there you go. I have an article here, Bruiser, that talks about which presidents have seen UFOs. And it's more than one. You know, you always hear about Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. and his famous sighting, but there's been Was more. it Nixon that showed somebody UFO? Was that what we heard? Was it Nixon? Well, Nixon supposedly showed Jackie Gleason the bodies yes. of dead aliens. And yes. we had an author on the program to talk about that. Uh, journalist and historian Garrett M. Graff is the author of UFO, the inside story of the U.S. government's search for alien life here and out there. His previous book, Watergate, A New History, was a finalist for this year for the Pulitzer Prize in History. Now, early in Ronald Reagan's second term, he asked his Soviet counterpart a seemingly off-the-wall question. Ostensibly, he and Mikhail Gorbachev had come to Lake Geneva for an arms control summit, but on a private walk around the lake, Reagan turned to his Cold War enemy and said, what would you do if the United States were suddenly attacked by someone from outer space? Would you help us? Gorbachev later recounted, I said, no doubt about it. He said, we too. So that's interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. To the U.S. president, the question was an opportunity to recognize a shared desire to protect humanity on Earth, a species that might very well succumb to the horrors of nuclear war, but his reference to aliens as a possible shared enemy wasn't as random as it might sound. Reagan was a lifelong fan of science fiction, and he'd had an encounter with a UFO while riding in a plane in the 1970s. Reagan, as it turns out, wasn't the only president who has had a more than passing interest in the possibility of extraterrestrial life. For the past half century, almost every president has come to office pledging publicly or privately to get or come to office pledging rather publicly or privately to get to the bottom of UFOs and that entire issue. 
Ever since the modern UFO age began during Harry Truman's administration, presidents have nosed around hoping to find the truth. In 1947 and 48, waves of flying saucer sightings captured the public imagination. The Pentagon feared they represented not aliens, but secret Soviet spacecraft built by kidnapped Nazi rocket scientists. And as the sightings increased month and month, Truman's own interest peaked. One afternoon in 1948, Truman summoned his military aide, Colonel Robert Landry, to the Oval Office and talked about UFO reports and what might be the meaning for all these rather way out reports of sightings and the subject in general. Landry recalled all manner of objects and things were being seen in the sky by people. Truman told Landry that he hadn't given much serious thought to the reports, but was worried about the possibility of new and underestimated threats. If there was any evidence of a strategic threat to the national security, the president said, the collection and evaluation of UFO data by central intelligence warranted more intense study and attention at the highest government level. Moving forward, he wanted a quarterly oral report from Landry and the Air Force on whether any of the UFO sightings presented any real danger. Over the rest of Truman's presidency, Landry regularly provided the briefings, but as he later recalled in an oral history, nothing of substance considered credible or threatening to the country was ever received from intelligence. But the sightings never fully went away and solid explanations never materialized. Truman himself eavesdropped on Landry as he phone-banked Air Force officers in an unsuccessful search of answers to a wave of UFO sightings over the capital region in 1952. The problem and puzzle of UFOs would continue to confound many of Truman's successors right up to modern times. As the 42nd president of the United States, Bill Clinton's famed portrait hung in nearly every government office across the country and at least one imaginary one in Hollywood. The office of FBI Assistant Director Walter Skinner, who's the fictional boss of Special Agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully, the protagonist of The X-Files. As millions tuned in every Friday night on Fox to watch the criminal profiler, Mulder and medical doctor Scully worked to uncover the truth about extraterrestrials. Circling ever so closer to an alien invasion, Clinton's very real administration also found itself repeatedly considering the possibility of life out there. Like his Oval Office predecessors, the former Arkansas governor had expressed interest in aliens as soon as he had taken the oath of office. When Webb Hubble, who is Clinton's longtime friend, started as the associate Attorney General, Clinton gave him specific marching orders. Webb, if I put you over at justice, I want you to find the answers to two questions for me. One, who killed JFK? And two, are there UFOs? Now it says here, he was dead serious, Hubble later wrote in his memoir. I looked into both, but wasn't satisfied with the answers I was getting. Well, of course, they're not going to tell you either one of those at that time. <laughs> well, you wouldn't think. As the, and if you did find out, <clears throat> told Bill, it's not like it's going to become public knowledge at that time. No, but the president would know. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 As the years passed, Clinton's interest in UFOs and specifically the idea that the government wasn't leveling with the American public uh, about what it knew never seemed far from his mind. Responding to a question from a child named Ryan during a 1995 trip to Ireland, he said, no, as far as I know, an alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. 
and then quipped, and Ryan, if the United States Air Force did recover alien bodies, they didn't tell me about it either, and I want to know. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yet despite such consistent presidential curiosity and interest across generations in the 80-year history of modern UFOs, only once have two UFO-spotting presidential believers run against each other. That would be President Reagan and President Jimmy Carter in 1980. And only once has a president's interest in UFOs helped change the course of world geopolitics. Having established some unlikely common ground with Gorbachev during their lakeside stroll, Reagan was able to negotiate nuclear arms reduction treaties that significantly altered an arms race that threatened humanity. Jimmy Carter spotted his UFO while waiting for a Lions Club event to start on January 6, 1969. The Lions Club was one of the most important networks of Carter's life. He'd followed his father into the service group and risen in its ranks by 1969 to be a district governor in charge of about 56 clubs in southwestern Georgia, a network that provided him important visibility as a rising politician and one that he'd credit later for stoking his ambition to run for governor in the first place. That January night, it was about 7.15 p.m., just after dark on what weather records would describe as a clear, cold night, and he was standing outside a little one-story restaurant in Leary, Georgia, which is a town of less than a 1,000 residents with a group of about a dozen other men waiting for their meeting to start at 7.30 when a bright approaching light attracted their attention. One of Carter's club colleagues pointed to the horizon. Look, over in the west. The men watched a bright light appear to come toward them and then move rapidly away. It was about 30 degrees above the horizon, and it looked about as large as the moon. It got smaller and changed to a reddish color, and then got larger again, Carter recalled. At various times, the luminous object appeared more blue, other times more reddish. He estimated the object was perhaps 300 to 1,000 yards away, set against the star-filled night sky, and the group watched it for about 10 to 12 minutes before it seemed to move away and disappear for good. Carter had a tape recorder that night, and as he explained later, captured some of his colleagues' memories of the incident immediately, which is smart thinking on his part. That's very smart thinking. Yeah. Some four years later, Carter, then Georgia governor and set to run for the presidency, documented his UFO sighting. Hayden Hughes, the director of the ambitiously named International UFO Bureau, had heard that Carter had seen something suspicious and sent him the group's standard questionnaire at the state capitol in Atlanta. Carter dutifully filled out those details, noting his previous military experience in the U.S. Navy and his training in nuclear physics. By the way, he was no crackpot, and it was technically a UFO, albeit he believed not likely to be an alien spacecraft. Carter speculated that the UFO was probably an electronic occurrence of some sort. But the governor told Atlanta Constitution reporter Howell Raines it was obviously there and obviously unidentified. In the 1970s, many wrote off Carter's sighting as confusion over the appearance of the particularly bright planet Venus in the night sky, a standard phenomenon that accounts for a large percentage of UFO sightings. But to more trained observers, it seemed unlikely that the Naval Academy trained Carter, who would have known celestial navigation through and through, would be confused by a planet. The mystery persisted. What had President Carter seen? It wasn't until 2016 that a researcher finally solved Carter's sighting and proved him correct. In fact, he was only off by a few minutes, 
and the sighting would have appeared at the almost precise location in the sky he recorded. That year, former Air Force scientist Jeer Justice uh, read Carter's description and knew almost instantly what the future president had seen. It was a high-altitude rocket-released barium cloud. Oh, okay. Yeah. Justice had worked in the 1960s on Air Force and NASA atmospheric studies that involved releasing clouds of barium to study winds in the upper atmosphere. At twilight and just after dark, the particle clouds can give off a green or blue glow as the barium becomes electrically charged in the atmosphere. As Justice dug into the records, he found that just such an experiment had been launched from Eglin Air Force Base in Florida's Panhandle at 6.41 p.m. With the rocket rising into the sky and releasing three different clouds of barium at various heights through about 7.09 p.m., the clouds rising and growing rapidly in brightness would have been visible from Leary at about 150 miles away. The rapid growth in apparent cloud size and brightness, followed by the subsequent diminishment in both size and brightness, could easily be interpreted by an observer as an object first approaching and then receding, Justice wrote. He knew from his own experience how to someone unfamiliar with the characteristics of a barium cloud, the rocket launches could appear to be objects moving closer and further away in the dark and could even appear almost nearby despite being 100 kilometers up in the sky. Uh, Justice recalled an incident from one of his own experimental launches in the early 1960s. He said an Atlanta woman saw a sodium vapor trail launched one evening from Eglin Air Force Base, about 600 kilometers distant. She viewed the cloud through the bare branches of a tree and then called the local Atlanta TV station to report that a UFO had landed in a tree at the end of her street. Uh, Carter, as it turns out, <laughs> might be the only president to run twice against fellow UFO viewers. He was a Democratic presidential nominee against two Republican challengers, incumbent Gerald Ford in 1976 and then California Governor Ronald Reagan in 1980. Both men had their own experiences with UFOs. Um, the Reagan experience, I'll go over briefly. Have you ever heard the Reagan experience, by the way? No, I haven't. Okay. I know he's had some because he's been real open about it. Yes. So Reagan had an encounter with a UFO while flying in a Cessna Citation near Bakersfield, California in 1974. Reagan's pilot that night was Bill Painter, uh, later recounted noticing a strange object several hundred yards behind their plane. It was a fairly steady light until it began to accelerate. Then it appeared to elongate. Then the light took off. It went up at a 45-degree angle at a high rate of speed. Everyone on the plane was surprised, he said. The UFO went from a normal cruise speed to a fantastic speed instantly. If you give an airplane power, it will accelerate, but not like a hot rod. And that, that's what this was like, Painter went on to say. Reagan was wowed. It went straight up into the heavens, he went on to say. As Carter campaigned in 1976 against President Gerald Ford, he promised he would open up the nation's UFO secrets. He said, one thing's for sure, I'll never make fun of people who say they've seen unidentified objects in the sky. He pledged in his original, original presidential campaign, if I become president, I'll make every piece of information this country has about UFO sightings available to the public and the scientists. But again, once in the Oval Office, Carter never followed up on his pledge Whatever the government was hiding would stay hidden, which is a common theme. Yeah. Once you get there, you're, you can want to talk about it, but they're not going to let you. 
Absolutely. Uh, let me see if I can find Ford's Ford's experience here. There's a, there's a lot of different stories in here about Reagan's analogy, Carter's analogy. Um, there's a story about President Barack Obama spilling, supposedly spilling the tea with James Corden on late night about really? UAPs. It says here, most recently in 2021, uh, former President Barack Obama spoke about the mystery, what the government by then called UAPs, uh, telling late night host James Corden, when I came into office, it was like, all right, is there the lab somewhere where we're keeping the alien specimens in spaceship? And you know, they did a little bit of research and the answer was no. But what is true, and I'm actually being serious here, is that there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain how they move their trajectory. They did not have an easily explainable pattern. So this is what he told James Corden. Okay. Okay. It was a remarkable statement and one that hinted at how long-standing and how real the mystery of UFOs was, even to commanders-in-chief, who presumably would have had access to answers if there were ones. So okay. that's where we leave the story. So, so yeah, <clears throat> as far as the public is concerned, presidents do know that there are things out there. Right. They're just held up by all the red tape of why they can't talk about it. Right. And if you want to believe in a so-called quote-unquote shadow government that may be telling these presidents, well, no, you, you can't talk about this. Well, maybe, yeah, that's there. Yeah. You know, maybe there is a, a, a chapter of the government that tells them, no, we can't talk about this. And there's a good reason why mm -hmm. we just don't know about it. And we may never what know I, about it. What I liked was Jimmy Carter right off the bat says, it's an unknown. It's a UFO because it's unknown. I'm not saying it's alien. I'm just saying it's unknown. Right. And then, you know, that was proven. But then he saw it again or something else. And he's like, okay, that that there is not Right. Of this world. And he took a skeptical eye. Having having been yeah. educated, he took a skeptical eye uh, towards it and didn't say... Do you, you said something about a shadow. I don't mean to cut you off. You said something about a shadow government. Mm -hmm. Not letting the presidents talk about their experiences. Now that we are open to it, as far as the government with that committee and stuff, do you think that shadow government still has that much control or do you think they lost a little bit? Absolutely. I, I, I don't think. And the thing that makes me giggle a little bit is here's the deal, Bruce. You have to think of it this way. Sure, you have the government asking the general public to come forward with their videos, with their experiences, to talk. Where is our initial whistleblower right now? I don't know. We haven't seen him since his TV days. <laughs> you haven't, have you? No. You won't. Okay. Because the, there's going to be much to do about nothing. He'll come. He came forward. He said what he had to say. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, he was heavily censored. Oh yeah, I believe that. And that's it. You you haven't had anybody who's been abducted by an alien. Go speak to Congress. True. You haven't had anybody who's had significant contact with aliens testify to Congress. And the little bit of outrage you've had from Congress has been, well, we need to open up everything. We need to see everything. Blah, 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 blah. 
and you've had a little bit of bluster from Congress. Meanwhile, someone's sweeping it all away. Why is that shadow government then now think that the American public's ready now and not in 1980? Oh, they don't. They're just feeding you little bits and pieces. Just to say, say, uh, satisfy that craving sure sure because here's what let's give them let's give them a little nugget but not the whole candy bar sure because here's here's what happens and and we're not a political show but but let's let's face facts you have representatives and senators that aren't getting things done on both sides of the aisle inflation is at an all-time high you have things that aren't getting done on the local levels in each one of your states. And you've got outrage on either side of the aisle that your representative or your senator isn't getting things done. Mm-hmm. But although it sounds crazy, you watch in 2024, you're going to have your local representative or senator come back and say, but you know what? I was trying to keep the nation safe and secure by trying to blow this whole alien thing wide open. I was right there. I was fighting for your national security. Especially if they're in big trouble. Especially if they haven't been on the side of, of trying to get this country back on track. Right. They're going to hide behind different issues. And that may be one of them. It may be the biggest smokescreen you've ever seen. Yeah. In times when times are bad, our our representatives and our senators love to hide behind issues that mean nothing to them. And this issue, although it may mean something to us, means absolutely not a goddamn thing to the government. Yeah, it's no sweat off their brow. That's discussing right. it. They don't put anything into it. It's a nothing burger. But you know yeah. what it does mean? It does mean now that they can go back into session. And they can bring up more money for defense. Because now we have a we, different we have another possible th- enemy that we have to defend against. That's right. We have another gotcha. threat. We have another threat. So, so the shadow government's using it as a as a ploy to get more money, basically. Th- that's right. We have another threat. So we have a we have a chapter of our government now called Space Force. Right. Yep. And it needs to be funded. Yep. So weapons need to be made. There's, there's manufacturers, weapon manufacturers that need money. They'll get funded. Space Force will be, you know, will be funded. Other chapters of our, our military will get funded. And everybody will get paid. And life goes on. And they'll just keep giving us little bites of the sandwich. That's right. Yeah. And you'll never, it, people who actually, who have actually be, have been harmed, We'll never get to see the light of day. Oh, yeah. They'll never get to testify. Right. Yeah. And you'll get glad, glad handed by the government once again. That's why shows like this exist. Yeah. So you can tell your stories. That's why podcasting exists. That's why you have... You have shows on, well, I, I, won't, I won't go so far as to say shows on television because I think shows on television barely break the surface. But you know what? There's, there's movies out there and there's, there's different documentaries out there that are very good that tell stories. Yeah. But there's outlets. There's outlets to tell those stories. It's, it's not in front of a congressional hearing. Yeah, you're not on record. Well, I you, mean, not, you you're are. on record, but you're not on, on um, uh, government record. You're not on a record that's going to matter. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's that. Okay. Yeah. And if you think it makes a difference to to go in front of Congress and say something, go ahead. But I'll warn you this. If you go on record with Congress, you may not be around in the next few years. I was going to say, then you're putting yourself on their radar. Don't be surprised if David Grush shows up dead somewhere in a couple of years. Well, and he said that in interviews. Yeah. When he was deciding whether or not to come out and be the whistleblower, uh, or I forget where he was interviewed, but he had said, I wanted to get it out there so that if something happens to me, people know it's a cover-up. Well, I can guarantee you, he's going to end up somewhere dead in a couple oh, of yeah. years. Yeah. I think he knows that. I, th- I He has to know that. But he would have probably anyways, because he had taken it to a certain place where he couldn't turn back. Correct. Yeah. Before he even came out and testified before Congress. Yeah. He came out and testified publicly because he thought that was going to give him more time. Which it did. It probably did. But it's still going to end up the same. Mm -hmm. It's still going to be another murder that's covered up. That's true. Very true. Let's move on. Our final story before we go to break. We're kind of late on our break today, but... um, NASA's lost a tool bag in space and you can actually see it with a pair of binoculars. It may have actually, oh, really? it may have actually hit our atmosphere by now, but really it's falling back to earth. huh? It's falling back to earth. And the astronauts were performing updates on the international space station when they lost their grip on a bag of tools. Now, believe it or not, this is not uncommon. No, I've heard they've lost stuff up there. That's why they have the tethers and the stuff up. They're supposed to be tethering stuff off. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they haven't perfected that yet. <laughs> that's right. Because uh, how many of, of all the space garbage that's up there, they say a lot of it's just like nuts and bolts mm-hmm. that, that have just the astronauts dropped and it just floated away. Yep. NASA astronauts Jasmine Mugbelli and Laurel O'Hara were performing maintenance work outside the International Space Station. Earlier this month, when they lost their grip on a bag of tools, Elizabeth Howell reported for Space.com, Megan Christian, a reserve astronaut with the European Space Station, posted a short video clip of the moment that the equipment drifted away. It was seen floating over Mount Fuji at around November 5th. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's that slow motion reach. Oh, shit. I wonder if you get that taken out of your pay. That's what I was wondering. Like, is they going to go, okay, it's time to leave the space station? Nope, not leaving. <laughs> if I nope. go back to Earth, I have to pay for all those tools. I'm not going back. On Wednesday, the virtual telescope project captured grainy footage of the errant tool kit, which can be spotted with binoculars. The object looks like a sharp dot of light in the center as a telescope tracked it, so stars left long trails on the background, VTP Founder Gianluca Massey wrote on his site, O'Hara and Mogbelli uh, completed the spacewalk without further incident <laughs> besides dumping the bag. And experts determined that the trajectory of the bag was not a threat to the space station or its onboard crew. Officials wrote on the NASA site. Just watch out if you're taking a dump in Mount Fuji and a oh, yeah. big giant space ratchet comes and hits you in the head. Well, here's the deal, though. It's it it's not expected to get through the atmosphere. Although it'll burn up. It'll I think. burn up, yeah. 
It was even given its own tracking ID, believe it or not. 58229-1998-067WC in the U.S. system for cataloging artificial objects in orbit. So, yes, you're right, Bruiser. There are plenty of them out there, <laughs> and they're cataloged. Um, Jonathan McDowell tweeted out that number, that catalog number. He's a scientist with the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. Per space.com, the bag will continue its orbit for a few months before it burns up upon re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere at an altitude of about 70 miles. As of last week, it was roughly 250 miles above the Earth's surface. It's estimated that it will disintegrate in a fiery descent sometime between March and July of 2024. Eddie Irizarry and... Not Eddie Izzard, but Eddie Irizarry and Deborah Bird reported for Earth Sky. For now, curious spectators can direct their binoculars skyward and try to spot the tra- stray tool bag if they're along the same path as the International Space Station. Projections place it at about five to ten minutes ahead of the station. <laughs> you can also play imaginary duck hunt if you'd like. <laughs> and see if you could uh, shoot it out of the sky. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> According to Forbes's Mary Whitfield Rolovs, uh, this is hardly the first time spacewalkers have contributed to the growing collection of space junk. It's not even the first tool bag. In 2008, how much, by the way, Bruce, let's play prices right here. Okay. How much do you think a tool kit like that costs the U.S. government? million. Oh, Jesus. No, 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 no. No, no, not that much. Bring bring it down a little bit. $125,000. You're very close, my friend. Okay. It's a $100,000 tool kit. Okay. That's no snap-on tools kit. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) That's not like you can go to Home Depot and pick up a new one. Right. Uh, it's a $100,000 toolkit. It was lost in space in 2008, and just two years earlier, astronaut Piers Sellers, which sounds a lot like Peter Sellers from the Pink Panther, uh, lost a spatula while testing a heat shield material on a spacecraft. You heard that right. A spatula. Used a spatula to test a heat shield material. Oh, yeah, he was cooking some eggs. <laughs> Went to flip the eggs, accidentally let go. The eggs and the spatula flew away. But you can't mention the eggs because people would be like, what are you doing with eggs up there? <laughs> Pierce Sellers was quoted as saying, that was my favorite spatch. Don't tell the other spatulas. <laughs> Most recently, the Washington Post's Amy Wang reported that a cloth shield described as a key piece of the International Space Station was lost during a spacewalk in 2017. <laughs> No word on the value. So they lose shit all the time in space. You think the email back to uh, to NASA is, oops, we did it again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, whoops. Let the uh, bean counters and accounting know we uh, we have to. <laughs> going to have to write this one off. Well, Bruiser, when we come back, ghosts, 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 and no AI. Well, I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> I don't mind a, a week off of AI. We're taking a week especially off before the holiday. That's right, especially before Thanksgiving. We're going to let your we're going to let your stomach settle before the turkey. <laughs> we're going to talk about a woman who 
works for TV who's moved into an abandoned hospital to escape huge rent. You've heard that right. I didn't say it right, but you heard it right. A cardiologist reflects on near-death research in a new film, which separates reality from fantasy. Okay. We'll talk about that. We've also got a story which will creep you out a little bit. A woman moves into a home and sees strange children's fingerprints on the wall. That would be terrifying. Yeah. Especially if you don't have children. Yeah. We've also got Ziggy's Picks coming up. We'll tell you how the pups and the people did this past week. <laughs> it was let's, rough. Let's just say uh, things are getting back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's coming back to normal. All that and more. It's the Supernatural News Wednesday right here on the Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to Supernatural News Wednesday and Parashare here on the best in paranormal programming. It's a cruiser and a bruiser right here on Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving, before we put the turkey on the table. You got your stuffing, you got your mashed potatoes, you got your pecan pie, and of course, you know I left out the pumpkin because pumpkin tastes like ass. No, it doesn't. I'm a huge pumpkin oh, pie God, eater. No. Oh. Love it. Uh, we'll have to agree to disagree there. Oh, love but, it. Uh, but I only can eat it at Thanksgiving. Well, that's because it tastes like ass, my friend. That If it tasted uh, good, I we'd it. eat it year-round. I mean, I can have it year-round. I just choose to just keep it around the holidays. Yeah. It, uh, yeah uh, uh. Nice warm pumpkin pie with a bunch of whipped cream on it. Whew, daddy. Well, again, you put a bunch of whipped cream on it because it tastes like ass. No, it tastes amazing. <laughs> Name me any other pie you have to put stuff on because you can't, even though you think it tastes good. Banana cream? I can eat banana cream without, without whipped cream. Uh, lemon meringue? I could eat Key them. lime? I could eat them all without the stuff on top. <laughs> Peanut butter? Oh, I, again, without the stuff on top. I could eat French silk without the whipped cream. Okay. I can eat pumpkin pie without whipped cream, too. I just prefer the whipped cream, especially if it's warm. Oh, that whipped cream starts to melt. Ooh. I just can't. I just can't. I, it's amazing. When I grew into an adult, I said, what is the point? <laughs> when I grew into an adult, I went and bought a pie for myself. <laughs> and ate it. <laughs> Because no one can stop me. I, you know, I think that's the pie now at at the holidays that gets the least eaten at our place. Oh, really? Yeah. Now we get we get blueberry, we get apple, uh, we get a French silk, and we get a pumpkin. I think the pumpkin gets the least touched. Send it my way. I'll eat it. I think we might. We might just bag it up and send it your way. I'm not a pumpkin spice guy, but I love oh. pumpkin pie. That's the only thing I hate about fall. Everybody gets... Everybody forgets about apple cinnamon. Apple cinnamon's wonderful. Yeah, or like a really good apple cider in, in the fall. Yeah, oh. yeah. This is... If you, can get, if you can get honey crisp apple cider. Yes. Oh, to die for. Yep, yep. Uh, That's the thing that makes me mad. Is the uh, 
everyone's all pumpkin spice this, pumpkin spice that. No, no, no. Give me a good apple cider. Yep. It can it can have booze in it. It can be no booze in it, and it's yep. oh, hits the spot. Yeah, you put a little rum in that apple cider. That's yeah. oh my god, that's something special. Some apple pie moonshine. Oh, oh apple Ooh. pie moonshine. You know, we we got some friends of the show here that used to come yeah. to conventions, and they made the best apple pie moonshine. Yeah, we used to do a convention um, to sell wrestling shows, and uh, there was a group. There was a uh, tractor racers, lawnmower tractor racers, mm-hmm. and they would bring th- the best apple pie. Yeah, and uh, so there's four of us there representing the company, and they brought four gallons of it for a three day event. And by oh. the end of the first day, they only had a gallon left because we drank the other. Oh three. yeah. And it goes down smooth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're drinking it by like the giant red solo cups. Yep. Yep. They're like, Hey, you want a shot? And they pour like a normal shot. We're like, no, 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 Keep nope. going. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. 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 Oh, good stuff. See, there's so much better stuff in the fall. My buddy, uh, James, uh, shout out to James. He makes his own apple pie and it's, He's perfecting that recipe. Every each year he tweaks it, and it's getting better and better every single time he makes it. Really? Yeah. He brought it to us one time before a wrestling show, and we did the full solo cup, and we all cheers, and everyone takes a sip, and I just slam it, and they're like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> like, I love it. It's good. <laughs> Gonna end up on the floor. Oh, I love it though. It's it's, it's good. It go, stuff. Like like you said, it, there's so much more good stuff in the fall. There is, there is. It, it's. I don't know what it is about that. Well, you know what it is. I know what it is. I mean, it's it's the harvest is what it is. So yeah. during the harvest, you have such good fresh ingredients, and you have people who are getting creative with the recipes. And yeah, yeah, it's just it's just a better time of year is what it is. So yeah, it's just it's 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 an amazing time of year is is, is what it is. It's. You know, you can't you can't get stuff like that in the summer. And if you do, you don't want to you don't want to eat it because it's or drink it because it's so hot outside. Right. You know, but in the fall, by gosh. Oh, I, I remember cold Wisconsin nights curling up with a nice warm glass of apple cider. Oh yeah. With a cinnamon stick in it. Yeah. Being a kid. Yep. Bowl of tomato soup with a grilled cheese sandwich. Whew. Yep. It's the uh, it's the national meal of the Minnesota Vikings Kirk Cousins fans incels that uh, <laughs> bully you on Reddit. Just saying, we'll talk about it later. All right, yeah. Mom, can I have a grilled cheese with a with the crust, crust cut and uh, some tomato soup, please? <laughs> yep. Can you feel the rant coming? I can feel it. I can't wait. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the story, shall we? Yes. All right. Did a ghost pull this woman's hair? A woman is startled on a ghost hunting trip. You shouldn't be. It's like going to Disneyland and looking for Mickey Mouse. I was going to say, you're on a ghost hunting trip. What do you expect to happen? A ghost to just appear in front of you go, hi, I'm a ghost. Welcome <laughs> I'm, to your tour. I'm Gary Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, woman so is, glad you could come to my haunted abode. Uh, can I get you some apple cider, some pumpkin pie? Maybe, huh? I, maybe I could pull your hair. Uh, <laughs> a woman is startled on a ghost hunting trip to an 18th century manor house. Uh, 
Did she not know she was going on a ghost hunt with like where her friends like, hey, we're going on this trip. She's like, count me in, not asking any questions whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm in, but here's the deal. No hair pulling, um, no scratching, and no scaring. But other than that, we're good. I don't want to hear any EVPs. <laughs> I don't want any clouds or mist. I don't want any of that. I don't want any of them to tell me to get out. No shadow people? Yeah. If I could just sit in the corner and have nothing happen, that'd be great. And it's got to be a corner that's not haunted. It's got to be the only part of the house that's not haunted. That's right. So this woman... She was on her first ever ghost tour with friends and she was sitting down on a sofa. So she was active. She was ready to go. By <laughs> gosh, she was involved. Katie, no last name given because she doesn't want her friends to giggle and guffaw at her or them, was taking a ghost tour in an 18th century Georgian manor house in, I believe this is Wimborne Minster in Dorset, England. The cutest name ever when she had the oddest encounter with what she thinks was a ghost. She and some friends were in the grade one listed Marley house built in 1756. Oh no, that's not haunted at all. Not at all. No, nah. especially in England. No, not at all. No. Nah. When Katie swore, she felt something pull at her hair. Something just touched my head, she commented in the released video. Another woman responded, there's nothing behind you. Katie, however, swore she felt something or someone touch her head. Ghost expert Tony Ferguson is probably ashamed to be called a ghost expert. Because <laughs> he's bringing people on ghost tours and they don't know they're on ghost tours. That's right. Who was on the tour along with the visitors said he filmed the sit down and that the camera would pick up any movement if something really did touch her. All right. Uh -huh. uh, Ferguson, who has been hunting ghosts for 15 years, told Jam Press this location has been one of uh, has been one he's been wanting to visit for years. And Katie ruined it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you uh, ruined it, Katie. Everything. <laughs> I worked for everything to get here and you ruined it. <laughs> On that night, we had many skeptics, non-believers and believers in the group. He recalled of the visit and, to the house. And then Katie, who had no idea where she was. Yeah. And then Katie <laughs> was just bumbling around. Uh, Ferguson said Katie was on her first ever ghost hunting investigation and was nervous about the movement she claimed to have felt on her head. You can see it move to the left-hand side of her head, uh, he pointed out on the video footage. The ghost hunter said it was pitch black at the time, but her hair can be seen moving in the video. The group also claimed to have heard loud bangs and the voices of children while on the ghost tour of the home. Makes sense why this hair pulling kids want to play games. That's right. Tell you what, I'll post this in the description of the program so you can watch the video yourself and determine if Katie's a ghost magnet. <laughs> just or was this the drafty room? Oh, yes, if it was just a drafty room. Good call, Bruce. We move on. This woman says, I've moved into an abandoned hospital to escape huge rent, and I've seen some scary things. I, I'm you're gonna. I can't wait. This story's been baffling me. That headline, like, how high is your rent? They have to move into an abandoned hospital. I'm assuming their rent in the hospital is going to be just as high as an apartment. Well, we're staying. <laughs> the hospital. We're staying in England, particularly London, where rent's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. 
TV producer Aisha says she's experienced paranormal activity in the old hospital she lives in with scary features and creepy rooms. The brave woman moved into the unusual home to avoid expensive London renting. We'll find out how expensive it really is. Trying to find a good house or flat in London to rent cheap seems like an impossible task, but one resident has managed to escape hefty bills by living in an abandoned hospital. Aisha Barrett lives in studio flat in central London with everything she needs, plus reduced rent and bills included. The savvy resident decided to become a property guardian, which enables tenants to be granted cheaper accommodation in return for living under flexible conditions in potentially unusual properties. Aisha... (laughs) I think haunted is a very flexible... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'll say she's got it coming to her. That's that's for sure. Aisha, as well as 150 other residents, now live in a former hospital with scary features and creepy rooms. How many other residents? 150. I would see it. No, <laughs> I like having my house. <laughs> mm-hmm. The freelance TV producer has confessed lots of things have happened to her, and she has seen a person in the corner of her bedroom. Hmm. The 35-year-old, she's kind of cute, too, uh, who used to live in a Victorian workhouse, has been showcasing her home on TikTok and raked in over 7 million views as she shared a three-part virtual tour. Thousands have rushed to ask questions and comment about the unusual living situation. I wouldn't last a day, one commented. Aisha said, I'm a freelancer. I want to save and I don't want to spend every penny I have on rent. I pay somewhere in between... 400 and 700 pounds, so it's a no-brainer. That's still expensive. That's still pretty expensive, yeah. For a room in a haunted hospital. Yeah, with 150 other people. Yeah. She continued, people say, I must be super brave to live in an abandoned hospital. I'm resilient and brave. I guess I'm brave. Uh, After being asked if she feels safe, Aisha said, Are we really safe anywhere? As far as the building is concerned, I do feel very safe. And we have lots of CCTV and security and security measures in place. The people, however, there are some bad eggs in property guardianship. Exactly. There's 150 people there. They're not all good people. That's right. Aisha got access to unused areas of the hospital after being given permission to access where she found old medical equipment, incinerators, which destroy chemical waste. She also, that doesn't sound safe. She also showed off general areas where there are boarded up lifts and unused reception area still in place. There is a gated basement, which is locked off and chained up. How bad can it be down here? Aisha said, probably pretty bad. (laughs) Uh, She described the hospital hallways as her personal catwalk and showed off the cute little garden. Aisha said people padlock their cupboards so others don't steal food. The residents have communal showers, kitchen areas, and laundry rooms. Aisha went on to showcase a few other buildings. The large complex incorporates at least four other blocks, just as any other standard hospital would. Each building is connected. That's why there's 150 of us here, Aisha added. Doesn't sound like a good deal. I was going to say, none of this sounds good. No. Social media users flocked to the comment section to share their thoughts on Aisha's living situation, with many divided. One individual said, being a nurse, that would be my personal hell. I would cry every day. But you did make it look pretty. 
Aw. Another commented, I do admire how brave you are. I wouldn't last a day. A third added, first, I have seen people live in a hospital like this. Cute, but creepy nights, I couldn't. Hmm. This place is obviously mad haunted, another wrote, but one individual said, this is the dream. And another <laughs> seemed to applaud the idea. Very interesting, one said. <laughs> I don't know that interesting's the word for it. No. One social media user added, oh, I'm so excited uh, for doing the guardianship thing. Another added, I looked around a school building once that was occupied by guardians. Their areas were really cute. One commented, that was really interesting. Thank you for sharing. A good use of space and beautiful art. <laughs> I don't know that that's an ideal living city. Maybe for a young person. Yeah, I, I cannot. No. no. 150 people in that area? No. No, that's too many. Maybe in the apocalypse, that's a great situation. But Yeah, and Walking Dead, they remember they found the prison, so. Yeah. But not in this situation. I don't think so. No, I, I wouldn't. I would love to investigate it, but not live there. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on. A cardiologist reflects on a near-death research, uh, or on near-death research, and it's featured in a new film, which is separating reality from fantasy. Uh, I want to thank, uh, I want to thank our listeners, by the way, for a lot of these stories that are coming in. Um, I'm trying to remember who sent this one in. I think was this Aaron who sent this in. I'm trying to remember, but Aaron, Tom, Tony, um, Heather sent in a story today. Lots of good stories from our listeners. And again, if you have a story for us, Tim at darknessradio.com, uh, send it into our email there. A cardiologist who spent years conducting comprehensive medical investigations into near-death experiences confessed he didn't always believe they were real. I thought the whole thing was a hoax. I really did, said Dr. Michael. Uh, say is a sabum yeah sabum he explained that to fox news digital sabum is one of several medical professionals and scientists whose research on near-death experiences is featured in angel studios new film after death i believe i saw this movie okay what's it called after death i've heard of it i believe i watched it the other day okay yeah as a matter of fact um I watched the movie and I think I I I applied to the studio to have one of their one of their people on as a guest. Okay. Yeah. Although he started off as a skeptic, Sabum's beliefs began to change as he began taking a closer look at these phenomena nearly 50 years ago. He recounted how a psychiatric social worker who had to read a book, it says, on near-death experience. Again, they're not writing very well over at Fox. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although he started off as a skeptic, Sabum's beliefs began to change as he began taking a closer look at these phenomena nearly 50 years ago. He recounted how a psychiatric social worker who had read a book on near-death experiences, asked if he would investigate these claims with his own resuscitated patients. Sabum started a five-year study at the University of Florida, interviewing over 100 people who had been resuscitated about their experiences for his first book, Recollections of Death, published in 1982. The doctor said he wasn't convinced by the transcendent accounts that patients relayed in visiting relatives or religious figures while unconscious, but he was interested in the out-of-body accounts that could later be verified. 
The part that I was particularly interested in was the out-of-body or what I call autoscopic, which is a word meaning self-visualization, where they flow up out of their body and say they can see what's going on in the room about them when they're unconscious from a near-death event. That is the part that I felt we could verify one way or another, he explained. Sabum said the majority of the patients he interviewed could only give general descriptions of what they saw during the experience, but six patients gave very specific details of things they witnessed going, in, going on in the room while they were unconscious, that he was able to verify their medical record or an eyewitness who was also in the room during their medical event to him was astounding. And that was what was particularly interesting to me, he went on to say. And I think that the documentation of that part, part of the experience is the area in which you can separate reality from fantasy. I had originally thought these experiences were hallucinations or delusions or made-up fabrications. But these people were telling me details about what was going on, what was going on in the room during the resuscitation. And when I knew that they were physically unconscious and near, near death during the cardiac arrest, he said. The doctor said he couldn't find any explanation for these experiences in med medical literature at the time. And I left with a big question mark at the end of the book. But I did suggest that something was going on there that could not be explained and needed for further explanation, he recalled. Sabum recalled how these patients could recall visions they saw of very sophisticated instruments or procedures that were being done in the room at the time. He did a control group study afterward, interviewing cardiac patients from similar backgrounds who had not experienced a near-death experience to test their knowledge of the resuscitation procedures. He found a majority of the control group made major errors in their descriptions compared to the patients who had near-death experiences. While the film he's featured in gives dramatic recreations of the spiritual experiences some patients described having, Sabum does not personally believe these experiences were visions of heaven and hell. The Christian doctor compared these experiences to Paul the Apostle's visions in 2 Corinthians. He says, my personal belief is that these are not visions of the afterlife, he said of Paul. They are pre-death visions. They are spiritual visions. Sabum believes his faith convictions about the soul living on apart from the body in the afterlife are consistent with how he interprets these near-death experiences. I don't believe that doctors resurrect their patients. They resuscitate their patients. That's what I always say. So doctors are not going around resurrecting the patients. Biblically, I think that it's a near-death experience, not an after-death experience, he went on to say. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm curious to check that movie out. After Death, it's called, huh? After Death. Yeah. And I got an email. It was uh, quite a few weeks ago. And I saw the trailer for it. The trailer for it's pretty astounding. And if I remember okay. right, um, Dr. Moody's in it. Oh, okay. okay. If, it's, if it's the same movie I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, and there are a few other dignitaries from that world that are in it. And I, 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 I shot off a, an email to the production company, but I, I've never heard anything back from them. Okay. Um, which is odd because they sent me the, the initial email. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. They started the process. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe we can get them still on the program and, and talk to them about the movie, but... I'm sure something will come about if they're releasing this article about this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
So well, it'd be interesting to talk to him and, and see the movie and see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. A couple photobombed by the spirit of a dead soldier in a restaurant that's loved by the rich and famous. That's always terrifying when you take a selfie or a picture and there's somebody else in the picture you didn't expect to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's always, uh, it's, it's a weird added bonus. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, hello, civil war soldier. Where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It says here, it's a rare treat to eat in an establishment frequented by the great and the good, but to also find yourself sharing a photo uh, with a ghost makes for a really memorable night. Boy, I'll say. That would be memorable, yeah. Yeah. A couple reckon they may have taken the best ghost picture ever after an apparition of a dead soldier photobombed them in a famous London restaurant. I believe it's known as Red Lobster. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I'm cheddar kidding. biscuits, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Cheddar Bay biscuits are the bizzest. We're trying some Cheddar Bay biscuit stuffing this Thanksgiving. So. Oh, are you? Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. First, I'll have to let you know after Thursday. <sighs> Is the missus making it? Oh, yeah. She found the recipe, and we both are big fans of the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. So. Can, can, you have her, uh, can you have her send me the recipe? <laughs> I will. Mm-hmm. I'll have to forward it over to, uh, over to Intern Yoko. Oh, Cheddar Bay Biscuit stuffing. Yeah, yeah. Oh so hopefully it, it should be good. On paper, it sounds good. Oh, on paper, it sounds like the, the, the steel of the century there. Big, yeah. Oh, my God. I think while she's making it, there's going to be a soldier in the background. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah, he'll be back there rubbing his hands together like, okay, when do we eat? And it turns out I'm the soldier with a sheet over my head going, oh, no. feed me Cheddar Bay Biscuit stuffing. <laughs> it's probably like the Gorton's Fisherman, the ghost of the Gorton's Fisherman is back there. <laughs> I, I say feed me already, bruiser. <laughs> you can't hold back on the Cheddar Bay Biscuit stuffing. I don't know why he speaks like a pirate but he does i don't know anyway we get back to the story so ross cheeseman who loves cheddar bay biscuits i bet <laughs> he does i'm just saying now i'm getting back to it. uh says he was out for dinner with his partner georgia renshaw smith and her family celebrating a birthday in the much renowned i believe this is quaglino's okay sounds, sounds fancy it does yeah sounds like someplace you have to You'd have to wear sleeves then. <laughs> You'd have to wear sleeves. <laughs> I, I think I, so, yeah. You know my attire. I don't wear sleeves. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> you probably, at the very least, you But I think if we're sleeves. going to that establishment, I have to wear one with sleeves. Yeah, you probably. You, you might have to You might have to wear a tie, too. <sighs> I have one. I got one for the wedding, so. No, I know. You know I'll wear it with my T-shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to wear your your tuxedo t shirt that day. Yep, uh, got one of those too. Yeah, got two, or three of those. Well, do you have the tuxedo? Well, but they don't have they don't have sleeves though. What about the? You got to get a tuxedo long t shirt, buddy, for when you go to Quaglino's. I'll pick one up. Okay, I'll make sure it has sleeves on it. Okay, good, good. So they're at Quaglino's, whose guests have included everyone from Queen Elizabeth II to Elton John. That's so it's it's a high class joint. Yeah, it's full of queens. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but Ron and the rest of the family got a huge shock when they looked at a selfie that he took of himself in Georgia as a spine-chilling figure appeared 
to hover in the background, and it looked like a translucent military man in uniform. Okay, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll show you here in a second. Actually, I'll show you right now. This this actually looks like the mummy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? it? It looks like the Invisible Man. It does, yeah. And, he, and, like, if you look, he's not looking at her. He's looking over her. He is, yeah. He's like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a photo. Thank you. Are you going We're to going eat? to have some quaglinos? <laughs> quaglinos. I love quaglinos. You're going to eat the Shutter Bay biscuits. I have my sleeves. Let's go. <laughs> I'm wearing sleeves. Uh, the party had been happily sipping champagne and tucking, in, tucking into oysters. Oh, how proper. Uh, during the get-together, but when 35-year-old Ross snapped the selfie of himself and his girlfriend, who's 26, oh, he got a young one. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go, buddy. Uh, the mood changed. Ross claims a snapshot left waitresses and the restaurant managers spooked as they had never seen anything like that before. But the dad of one believes it is to be a fitting place to encounter a ghost as the eatery has a long and storied history. The restaurant dates back to 1929 and was a favorite among celebrity A-listers, as well as a string of royals, having played host to Judy Garland's wedding reception in 1969 and enjoyed Prince Harry as a regular in recent years. The couple who have been together for four years hope to revisit the restaurant again soon to try and recapture another eerie photo. Ross from Bristol said, I flipped the camera on my iPhone open to the front-facing camera to take a selfie of me and my partner. I had taken one or two photos that my partner wasn't happy with, of course. Uh, <laughs> that is, swipe, that's always the swipe, way. Yep. Swipe, filter. That's right. That's always the way, buddy. Uh, so I took another. This was the picture that, when we looked at it, revealed what looks like a ghost in the background. I think the ghostly figure looks like some sort of ex-military man with broad shoulders and uniform looking over the shoulder of me. And, my, and it says... of. Of me or my partner. It looks like it's over your partner's shoulder, not you. Yeah, it looks like he's looking over her. Right. It looks see-through as you can make out a spine and ribs. It, I think it also looks like he's got some sort of headband or hat on. I showed it around the family and we were all amazed by it. George's family thought I had doctored the photo, but then realized that's impossible given the time taken between... You you doctored that photo in the last minute. It took you to walk from over there to over here. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he says uh, it's impossible being the time in between taking and taking it and showing them the photo. He says I have absolutely no explanation for what it is that's behind us. We then show the waitress and and the waiters and ask if they had ever witnessed anything similar. All the waitresses and waiters were spooked. They even took my phone and showed it to the manager who came and spoke to us about how spooky it was. <laughs> but did the manager knock anything off the bill? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I was going to say, did they get their meal count? Yeah. The image was posted online and has received more than 1,600 likes, 200 comments, and 144 shares, with many commenters saying they were amazed by the selfie. One person said, absolutely incredible picture. Another put, it's a soldier can see the camouflage coat and backpack. Wow. Well, another wrote, wow, amazing catch. A soldier with a beret and glasses. And another said, this pick gives me chills. Ross is a quality assurance inspector for an aerospace company. Wonders if it's to do with the old location of the restaurant. 
as there was a spooky cabinet next to them and said, it's an old restaurant that's been around since the 1920s. We were sitting next to a cabinet with a glass front, which contained multiple very old pictures of the founders of the restaurant. Oh, bruiser. Okay. I, I saw a beret with sunglasses. It's curious, like, this is the first paranormal experience, according to the staff, it sounds like. Yeah, and I'm wondering if this is light refraction of... Yeah, now that he mentions the cabinet. A picture on the wall, yeah. Yeah. He says, I've not done an extensive amount of research on the restaurant, but I do know it's very old and has housed guests such as the Cray Twins and the Queen, uh, so it's a very fitting place for a ghost. Ross, who isn't even sure if he believes in ghosts, says the photo does make him question whether the paranormal does actually exist. Since capturing the image in 2021, he claims family members still bring it up today, and many online have come to share their amazement at capturing the best ghost picture ever. You know what? I'm going to post this one, too. Okay. The reason being is, although we all aren't there to see it, this looks a little too clear. Yeah. Almost like it might be a refraction off of something on the wall. Now that I found out that what was next to him, uh, I, I want to go through and see if you, you know. Yeah. But I think I think you're right. I think it's light refractions because of the, the cabinet and the pictures and whatnot. And in the picture, too, you can't see what he looks like in the picture, right? It's just harder. No, no, no. It's, it's, a zoom, it's a zoomed in on. I have a, I just showed you the zoomed in photo. I have, oh, okay. the, I have okay. a full photo here. Um, here, I'll show you the full photo. Let me get to it here. Here's the full photo. When you see the full photo, it's less, it's less obvious. Yeah. See, and there's, if you look over her shoulder, like in between the two of them, there's light coming from there. Yep. Which could be bouncing off the cabinet. And now that I do look at it, it looks like it looks refractive. like his ribs and all that yep. is the shape of a cabinet. Yep. Yep. I think this is light refraction. Yeah. Yeah. I'll post this. See, do you see the light right in the, between the two of them? Yeah. And then now, now, now that you know there's a cabinet there, look at the the ghost, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that square shape, doesn't it? Yeah. Which can be confused as a, a soldier because of the way they stand. Right. Yeah, it, it definitely could be a light refraction or, or some sort of odd. I'm, I'm just skeptical, skeptical because when they brought it up to um, staff, no one brought up any other paranormal activity whatsoever. Right. And that would that would probably be the first. Like, you've been to enough places that have had haunted where the wait staff be like, oh, yeah, glasses move at night. Oh, yeah, that stool yep. over there. That's Bill's stool. It moves. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, this has happened. You know what I mean? Yep. In this one, they showed them. They're all like, oh, whoa, hey. Yeah. You know? well, yeah. What's this? Yeah. And with it being as old of a restaurant as it is, you'd think in some time, it's not like the spirits all of a sudden one day just went, hey, here's a lovely couple. Let's start haunting this place. <laughs> yeah, right. Although someone may say, well, what if that's a member of the family that followed them to the restaurant? Well, I, I don't, I don't know yeah, that I buy that. Why would he, you know, who's he, who's he attaching himself to? Because if he's attaching himself to a family member, that family member is going to have more experiences. So right. they would probably bring it up like, oh, that's your Uncle George. He was a commander in her Royal Air Force or whatever. 
Yeah. I don't know. That's just, that's the skeptic in me. You know, it's a, a great photo. It's definitely a conversation piece. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. But I think, I think we could debunk it. If I, I don't think we, I think we could recreate it if we were there. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Uh, a couple more stories. And then we got Ziggy's picks here. A woman discovers a creepy hidden room in her house with children's handprints on the wall. That's terrifying. Yeah. Just finding a, a room in your house you didn't know about is terrifying in itself. Now there's, you add the kid element. Ooh. Yeah. Chills. A woman shared the secret and creepy hidden room she came across in her home that was covered in children's hand and footprints, with many telling her she should call the police. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Uh, moving into a new home is always exciting. However, you often come across a few surprises while getting used to your humble new abode, as one woman recently did when she discovered a secret room in her house. Stumbling across the door in her basement bathroom, she opened it to find a creepy hidden room inside that was covered in children's handprints and footprints with three names painted on the wall in the words Love Shack written in paint. Oh. oh, the B-52s were there. <laughs> <laughs> it's unclear how long she had lived in the house, but she was stunned to come across the room that she had never known existed. Taking to TikTok, of course, the bastion of knowledge on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Everybody, uh, all the experts go to TikTok. Of course. To share her findings, the woman who goes by the online name at Big Bra One. <laughs> I wonder if she's busty. <laughs> well, no, it's bra with an H. So it's like, you know. Oh, uh, OK. Big. So she's like one of those like, hey, bra. What's up, bra? Yeah. yeah. She's a surfer girl. Yeah. Not big bro or big. You know, it's big bra. Not, not like big tits, but big bra. Um, you know what I mean? Well, well, big bra, you either found a place where some teenagers had some fun or a pedophile decided to keep some kids. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, so she goes by the online name at big bra one with an H and asked others what she should do with many branding it as creepy. She also revealed the room could be locked from the inside. <sighs> and showed you how to stand on the toilet to get into the cupboard to get into the room. Oh. Yeah, there's a creep factor there. Yeah. Finding the quote-unquote love shack and the three names Rebecca, Kelly, and Sarah painted on the walls, she wrote alongside her video, What do I do? And many people chimed in with their thoughts as people were baffled whether it was something worth calling the police about or whether it was just an innocent kid's den. One user wrote, absolutely weirdest vibes, Love Shack, the feet. While another added, it was either a fun little hideout or the creepiest thing ever. With a third who asked, Love Shack makes me feel uncomfortable. What happened in there? Yeah, call the police. Yeah. Get, get at police out there to look at it. Many were in agreement that she should call the police and get it checked out. As one TikTok user wrote, tell the police, like, just in case it was linked to something. And another urged, you should definitely tell authorities. Better to have someone look into it than turn a blind eye to something that might get actually attention. I'd call the police and I'd call my realtor. Yeah, just, yeah, in case you need to, <laughs> you need to hand it back to the seller and get your money back. Or, or like, hey, is this is something happened in this house that you're not telling me? I found this room. Did you know about it? Right, right. Disclosure. That's a thing. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. 
Whereas others thought it was nothing to worry about, the tween girls who use that space as a hangout for sleepovers and doodling probably had no idea a bunch of adults on TikTok would be debating the size of their hands and feet why one of them liked the lo- or why one of them liked the song Love Shack by the B-52s or why the paint doesn't go all the way down the wall one person laughed <laughs> so someone's taking a practical approach yeah yeah I'm just saying relax everybody it's yeah probably- chill out get it checked out see what happens it's probably I would get it checked out just to clear my name you know yeah there's probably if like, something did happen you prob- know what I mean probably three missing kids from that house yeah yeah yeah, you want you, know, to, you want to be cleared. Well, former get, owner could have been John Wayne Gacy for all we know. <laughs> it's true. Well, let's get off the ghost stuff because we know the kids did. Oh, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> come on, come on. They weren't serial killers. Um, let's go to the Amazon region, shall we? Oh, and okay. talk about a creepy creature that I think is eating faces. No, I don't know. <laughs> Um, this, there's a mystery of a village in a remote Amazon region that's being terrorized by seven foot face peeling creatures. Seven foot face peeling. Those are not creatures I want to meet. <laughs> no, no, no. They're not, they're not part of the tourism board. That's for sure. The mystery incidents are said to be happening in San Antonio de Pintuyacu in the Amazon rainforest region of Loreto, Peru. And officials have been left baffled. Uh, Villagers in the remote part of Peru are said to be petrified of seven-foot yellow-eyed beasts terrorizing and trying to abduct locals. So, by all means, be a tourist because they're not after you. Yeah, they're after the locals. They'll literally walk up before they rip your face off and go, Are you from around here? No, I'm from North Carolina. Uh, See ya. Have a great day. Pasporte? (laughs) And then you just hand it over and then, you know, they leave you alone. The mystery incidents are said to be happening in San Antonio de Pintuyacu in the Amazon rainforest region of Laredo, Peru. Uh, Rumors began swirling a month ago that villagers were frightened, which inspired them to start patrolling the area every night. Dozens of sightings are said to have been reported of the creatures and five acres of trees have been burned down to give locals a view of the area. <laughs> oh, ecologically sound. I was say, hey, there's a face, seven foot face peeler. What do we do? Burn it down. Burn it all down. <laughs> Burn it with fire. Those responsible are said to be up to seven feet tall and wearing black body armor. Okay, what kind of creature needs to wear black body armor? Armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, is it is it man made arm body armor? Is it no creature made? You know, is it like a Planet of the Apes looking thing? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Probably a planet. Or is it their skin? Yeah. Like an armadillo? Yeah, like an armadillo. Uh, They're also said to be wearing oval-shaped helmets and have yellow eyes. This just sounds weird. This does. This sounds like a planet of the apes. Marathon. Yep. yep. Documenting the strange occurrences, explorer Timothy Alberino took to social media site X. We call it Twitter in these parts. He claims to have spoken to a 15-year-old girl who said she was caught by the mysterious creatures who put a syringe into her nose and put numbing cream on her face. Sounds like a party. This doesn't sound like creatures. This sounds like humans having a good time killing people. Yeah. They then proceeded to make two deep incisions into her neck with a scalpel before managing to pull on or pull 
before managing to pull on of their helmets off, that's a weird sentence, and escaping into the jungle. So they didn't rip her face off. Not yet. After this trip, Timothy, who has lived in Peru for nearly 20 years, said, we've completed the expedition to San Antonio de Pinto, Pinto Yaku. It's fun to say. San Antonio <laughs> de Pinto Yaku. We were in the village for three days and conducted a thorough investigation. We delivered supplies and strategic technology. This here's a flamethrower. Hit him with it. <laughs> Light them up, boys. Let me be clear. I did not capture... Ooh, there's a Spanish word for it. Pelacares, or face peelers on camera. Okay. Pelacares. Pelacares. I'm here to capture the pelacares. I think it's humans. It's, it sounds human. Well, as Bigfoot said to find out how to arm himself... Ooh, cover himself yeah. in armor and figure out how to get syringes to numb people's faces. So he can peel them off of the scalpel. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome movie. <laughs> the Sasquatch Face Peelers by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he said, my mission was to supply the village with strategic technology, including night vision goggles with recording capabilities. Ah, oh, we need face peelers in this neighborhood. I need some yeah, night vision goggles. I want some night vision goggles. Right. And investigate the phenomena. The results of the investigation will be discussed in the forthcoming debrief. They get a debrief, too. Oh, yeah. A briefed and debrief. If you get briefed, you got to get debriefed. That's nice. Although I, I can, just switched to boxers. Well, that'll happen. Well, it's because you're wearing that damn T-shirt tuxedo. <laughs> Although I cannot say for certain who do I can't confirm unequivocally or no, it's unequivocally uh, that the phenomena is real and ongoing. My hypothesis is that they are nefarious humans with reverse engineered. Uh, wow. With reverse engineered alien tech. Oh, this and, guy's gone way out there. Yeah. And possibly working with a non-human faction. Wow. This guy went for it. So basically he's saying there's aliens that visit our planet that want our faces. No, they're nefarious humans. Well, yeah, but they're working for the alien group that want our faces. Or they just got a hold of alien tech and they're working with a non-human faction. Yeah, non-human would be the aliens. You're assuming alien. But what yeah. if they're like sleestacks? <laughs> you're right. You're right. Lizard people. Yeah. Maybe they live under the earth. Maybe the lizard people are having them do that so that the lizard people can cover their faces and walk amongst us. See? Yeah. Now you're thinking, Bruiser. It's the Illuminati all over again. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I got my tinfoil hat on today, son. I'm just saying. Uh, where did I leave off on this deal? Um, let's see. We were talking about uh, face peelers, non-human factions. Oh, I did not experience the face peeler phenomenon myself, he went on to say, but I did equip the men of the village with night vision goggles that have recording capabilities. If they film something with the tech, they will send it to me immediately. Well, if they're not dead. <laughs> I was going to say, what if their face is taken off? I'm sure they're going to take the night vision goggles. Unless they peel around the night vision goggles and take the face. <laughs> 
That Where's was Guillermo. I don't know. Oh, there he is. What happened to every single piece of his skin, minus just his eyes? <laughs> he looks like he's wearing a flesh mask. He looks like the coolest dude on They Live ever. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking to the son about his investigation, he added, "Everyone is on edge." The men are in a state of heightened vigilance, but Timothy does not believe the sinister attacks are the result of aliens and local authorities. See, I told you, slee sacks. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. I'm going with lizard people. Okay. And local authorities have also dismissed the villagers' accounts, instead claiming it is likely to be human in origin. Those party poopers. But you should still do something, local authorities. They're ripping people's faces off. <laughs> like, right. Okay, you don't believe it's a, a cryptid, but you still should believe that it's someone's face is being ripped off their body. Yeah. <laughs> Do your job, police. That's right. Dear, dear, dear. Goes all the way back to Minnesota or uh, to York or whatever, where they won't look into the woman being abducted. That's right. It's still an abduction. <laughs> you can even bring it back to Beltrami County where, hey, they won't look into that fireball from the sky or whatever it was. It's still a fireball in the sky. That's right. <laughs> Uh, he added, worst case scenario, this is an international organization of organ harvesters or sex traffickers who are in possession of top secret hardware, and they are using it to do something very sinister. I honestly believe that what we're dealing that's what we're dealing with here. Police were reportedly called to investigate and are said to have the theory that the assailants were trying to drive off the locals to claim the land. They may have been using drones and other theatrics to scare them away from their village. Man. Again, faces are being ripped off. Investigate. That's true. You got to love it in Peru this time of year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not going right now. Bunch of face peeling nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Helping them lizard people. That's right. That's right. Speaking of face peeling nerds. No, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about there. Um, Ziggy's Picks. Yes. Yes, it's that time of, time of the week. I know I said I was going to come up with a theme so people knew what this thing was. I was going to come up with a, a package for this deal. I haven't done it yet, but yeah. <laughs> folks, here's the deal. Uh, let me do the setup for you. Uh, there's such a thing as psychic animals on this planet. We break them out every once in a while to call things like the, um, oh, I don't know, like the Olympics or the World Cup. Uh, you see a psychic octopus in a corner, pick the entire tournament, and they laud the psychic abilities of psychic animals. Well, we're taking it one step further. We're picking each and every week of the yeah. NFL season with Bruiser's two psychic pups. Yep. Talia and Zicky. That's right. So this week, we brought out the psychic pups versus your two morons that are on the air here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I failed miserably. This is a time where logic backfired on us. You know, actually, you didn't do too bad. I did worse than you did. I know, but I'm just still mad at a couple games. I'm mad at the, the Kansas City game. I'm mad at the Vikings game. You know what? Don't be mad at the Kansas City game. You had Both you and I had logic on our side. Yes. Philly hadn't, hadn't beaten Kansas City in like the last four or five meetings. Yeah, they said the last three. Okay. This was their fourth meeting, yes. Yeah, they said the last three. So there's precedent on our side. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we went with research and knowledge. The pups went with psychic abilities, and the pups did way better than us. <laughs> Actually, no, on that one, Ziggy did, Ziggy picked the Chiefs. Yeah, well, both of them did. Yeah, yeah. So the psychic vibe was in the air. Yeah, you know what wasn't in the air? The goddamn hands of the Chiefs receivers. 
<laughs> oh, when Juju Schuster dropped that one oh. at the last. Oh, that would have won the game. They could have won that, the game in a couple of different uh, yeah. situations. Did you see he went four four times Mahomes targeted him and all four times he dropped the ball? Yep. You're one you have one job. <laughs> you have one job. And you get paid well for that job. Exactly. Catch the damn ball. Yes. But there's I'm telling you, and and Marquez Valdez Scandling, there's a reason he's not in Green Bay anymore. I'm just telling you. That's what it was. Valdez Scantling that dropped. Yeah, it was Scantling that dropped in at the end of the end end of the game. It's right yeah. in his hands. He doesn't look it in at all. No, and what he does, instead of pulling it into his chest, he puts it up to his shoulder for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So when he lands on the ground, well, of course, there's nowhere for it to go right. but out of your hands. Right. It's gonna pop out. And God bless Patrick Mahomes. Because he won't throw his teammates under the bus. No, he took full blame. And he even But says, if you watch that game, he made plays where plays weren't supposed to be made. Yep. And he put it right on the numbers every single time. And in the press conference says, well, I could have made better throws. No, Patrick, you couldn't. Yeah. You put it right on the nuts every single time. Yeah, you need receivers to catch ball. Even Kelsey dropped three of them. <clears throat> yeah. You need, you, he needs a Tyreek Hill again. He does. Unfortunately, you're at the time of year where you can't go get one. There's not nope. one out there. Nope. You have to just get on the guys that you have. Valdez Scanlon is not a terrible receiver. He's a good B uh, receiver. He's a good down under receiver. Uh, you know what you I know, mean? Like he's not your primary receiver, but he's a good third guy, you know, third look to go to. But they need but you, the guy. You can't go deep with him. They need the guy and they don't have the guy. Yeah. They could have went out and got a guy who could have potentially been the guy uh earlier in the year and they just they didn't. Yeah. You know, they could have drafted the guy. Yep. But they're they're horrible at drafting receivers. Another game pissed me off was that Giants game. Where the hell did these guys decide to start playing? Right? What the hell? DeVito, a guy who lives in his mom's basement. I was going to say, is that (laughs) Danny DeVito's kid? Who the hell is he? I don't know, but he lives in his mom's basement. Yeah, but evidently he wants to play. Yeah. in Cleveland, it's it's a, you know what this is a season of rookie quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks. Yeah, you had Rodgers go down, which I'm wondering is is Kirk going to be pissed off at Rodgers if Rodgers comes back in December? Is who going to be pissed at him? Kirk Cousins, your boy. <laughs> um, or you do know, you think Kirk's going to be like, I can get back if we make playoffs? Here's why Kirk's stupid because Kirk <laughs> Kirk didn't follow Rodgers' rehab program or his surgery. Oh, he got the regular surgery and he got the experimental one like Rogers did. Rogers said he didn't, that he didn't follow his lead. Why wouldn't you look at Rogers? Because Cousins is a dumbass. That's, well, that's why. True. But anyways, you had you know, Rogers go down, so Zach Wilson goes in. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson's gone. They brought in that rookie quarterback for Cleveland. He did a hell of a job. Dobbs got traded from Arizona. first. He was in Arizona doing really well. Got traded to Minnesota. Starts leading Minnesota to a. Something you guys haven't had in forever, a good quarterback. Well, it, it, you know what I mean? It's just, it's amazing. CJ Stroud out of nowhere yeah. <laughs> is going to be the league's MVP. <laughs> I feel like Dobbs proved me right with you on, on Sunday night. And that's this. There's a reason why he hasn't started around the league, and he showed it Sunday night. You think so? You don't think it was your defense dropped the ball? Nope. Nope. Okay. Um, the 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 
the Denver defense turned it up on him, and he showed. They did, but he, your defense didn't turn it up. I didn't think. No, no, no. It, it wasn't our defense. Okay. Wilson's going to perform. Yeah. That's that's just all there is to it. And the the, the fact of the matter is, is eventually he's going to move the ball, and and yeah. he's going to be clutch. The the fact that that offense moved up and down the field, and our defense only gave up twenty one points. True. Pretty damn good. Yeah. That was a bend but don't break defense. Uh, and they did their job. Who didn't do their job was our offense. And yeah. they just didn't. They got down into the red zone and choked. First of all, Madison choked big time. He might have had 18 carries for 81 yards, but it's time for him to go. He's not a starting running back. Yeah, he I did. remember you saying that. Yeah, he's done. Uh, and He's the backup too, right? No, he's the starter. He's your starter, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's time to to rotate Chandler and Wang Wu in and let them let them run. But the other thing too is that Dobbs is fine when he's got time. He's a great quarterback when he's got time. Every quarterback in the league is great when they have time. But when they started dialing up different blitzes and different looks and things that and and the line started to collapse a little bit and didn't give him that time, he looked different. I noticed, and I don't know if this is because he doesn't know the offense yet, but he didn't audible out a lot. That normally when when they're blitzing as much as they were, yeah. That again, that's what happened with Philadelphia. Is Kansas City put the pressure on, and Jalen would audible out of it. Well, keep in mind, at fifteen seconds, they they click off that c- communication with the with the coach. Yeah. So I don't. And, and again, you're right. He doesn't know the playbook. Yeah. So he he probably has a play he can audible out to, but he's probably not familiar with it. So yeah, they got him and they, they solved him. And will he be better in the future? Sure. But I just think that he's not going to have enough time. Okay. That's, that's going to be what's going to happen. He's not going to have enough time. Okay. And you've got Jaron Hall who's sitting there who has had enough time, who knows the system, who knows how to audible out. And if you're making a playoff run, because remember, this is a rebuild. This isn't a rebuild. This is a competitive rebuild. And there's playoffs in the horizon. Yeah. I don't think Dobbs plays more than a game or two if they lose again. I disagree. I think Dobbs is their future. Mm, You watch. I, I think he's a future. I think he's, I, I, I think he's got a short I do have to leash. say, if we're talking about future quarterbacks, Panthers got to get rid of Bryce Young. And I don't think Jordan Love lasts too long in Green Bay. Really? Oh, that see? game on Sunday with Green Bay. Oh. Yeah, I, I'd say Love, I'd, Love I'd, is good. Love is good until it comes down to scoring points. See, I disagree with you. I, I think that Love is just fine. And, and, it's not him. It's not him. It's his receivers. And they say that. They say because he's got young receivers. He's got young receivers. Yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Christian Watson was never that good. If you remember, was it two years? Last year? Very first game of Minnesota. He dropped All you it. do is catch the ball. That would have changed their whole season. And he dropped it. Yep. He doesn't catch the ball when it's and, and but love doesn't put it in there like Rogers does. Oh well, but you're comparing apples to oranges. You're, well, I am. I am. I just. But but love. I from, don't like that they're giving faith in some of these quarterbacks that don't deserve it right now. 
Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, Love is from now, when you watch him now as compared to the beginning of the year, he's really progressed. And and he's he's seeing the field, he's reading blitzes, he's putting it on some of these receivers and they're dropping it. Yeah. But he's he's accurate. Yeah. I I'll tell you this right now. If you were to and you're gonna laugh at me when I tell you this. You give me a choice between love and Dobbs. I'm taking love. Uh, you know what? I would too. You're right. I would too. Yeah. Because would too. There, there's more poise in the pocket. And this is this is what Dobbs doesn't have right now. He doesn't have poise in the pocket when the heat's no, he, turned up. Yeah, he's got happy feet. And that's why he's not starting in the NFL. Yeah, his, his problem is it, he... He tries to be like a Michael Vick or a Cam Newton, and, and he's not a Michael Vick or a, Cam, or a Kyler Murray. Yep. And he's not them. Yep. He's just going to get hurt doing that. Yep. And that's why I think Jaron Hall starts. Is he the one that gets concussion? Yeah. And you, you barely got to see him. Yeah, I know. Because he had a concussion. Well, because he got a dirty hit. It was not dirty. That was dirty. Go, go like watch. Fan. Nope. Go watch that play again. It was helmet. You're to, sounding like a cowboy. It was fan. helmet to helmet bruiser, and then he hit the turf. Go was watch there the a flag. Game. No, because they didn't throw it. Exactly. You're in Atlanta. Doesn't matter. See, you're sounding like a cowboy. Nope. fan No. Go watch it again. I'll send you the play. You'll see it. I'll <laughs> you send you the send play. Send it to me all you want. You're sounding like a cowboy fan. It was now. helmet to helmet. That was the reason he had the concussion. <laughs> he barely his head barely hits the turf it hits the turf yeah barely but if you look back at you've, like you've, Watson, you've other taken, guys concussions their head barely hits the turf you've hit you've hit you've hit the mat harder than oh, than yeah. he's than than his head hit that turf yeah but i'm not a pussy like this guy <laughs> no come on no. he no 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 that was that was a dirty hit it was not and there were other dirty hits in that game you sound like a Cowboys fan. There now. were fines. Our after. team didn't lose because we suck. Our no, I'm not. Well, they, they won that Atlanta game. Too, they? Yeah, yeah, they, they won they that won game. That game. <laughs> but there were also fines after that game on the Atlanta def- different defensive players for okay. dirty hits. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, how As, the pups do? <laughs> all right. So. Doesn't, doesn't want to see you sound like some of these redditors in the Vikings room. <laughs> Don't want to watch so the tape. What's, what's the puppies doing? I'm waiting for my mom to bring me my tomato soup. All right. So Ziggy this week was six and eight uh, and uh, slid a little bit this week. Talia is back on track, 10 and four. Uh, Bruiser is nine and five this week. I was eight and six this week. I told you I'd only have a couple of good weeks and then I'd fall off. So. <laughs> Uh, with that, the overall results, uh, Ziggy is at a 531 percentage, 86 and 76. By the way, we've done exactly 162 games, which is a major league season. All right. Yeah. Uh, so Ziggy's at a 531 pick percentage. Uh, Tally is at 90 and 72, which is a 555 pick percentage. Bruiser is at 96 and 66, which is a 592 pick percentage. And yours truly is 97 and 65, which is a 599 pick percentage. There's one game that separates Bruiser and I. And there is four games that separates the pups. Okay. So that's where we're at right now for the season going into next week.
Now, next week, early week, uh, you've got Thanksgiving games, you got a Black Friday game, and you've got Sunday games. So, In fact, we're probably doing the picks tonight. Yeah. As we tape this, the, we're taping this on As we tape it, yeah, we tape it on Tuesday. So we'll yeah. probably either do it tonight or real early tomorrow morning. Yeah. So uh, lots of football this weekend. So it's a, it's a big week. It's a big week. And you know what? There's some easy picks this week. Should yeah, be easy picks. The, I was going to say, it should be. But this season's been crazy. I mean, the Jets are starting Tim Boyle this week. <laughs> um. <laughs> the uh, the Seahawks are talking like uh, Geno Smith is hurt, but they're saying he's questionable and that he's probably going to play. But there's Joe good... Burrow's out for the season. Mark Andrews for Baltimore's out for the season. Yep, there's the... he was, Mark Andrews, the leading tight end in the NFL, and he's gone. Well, Baltimore still played well without Andrews. So. <laughs> they did. I, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying he's like, oh no, they're going to suffer, but that's still a big hit. Yeah, because um, uh, Lamar Jackson's banged up. He is, but um, Baltimore's still the number one seed right now in uh, yeah, yeah, yeah in the AFC. So I don't put anything past him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's Ziggy's picks again, folks. If you want to see how everything shook out and how who won what game and where and how, and if you want to see video of the pups making their picks for this past week, you just go to darknessradioshow.com and Ziggy's picks. You click on Ziggy's picks, and everything's right there. And this latest one, you can see how excited Ziggy gets. Oh, like we have yeah. the we have the logos in an envelope, and anytime I grab the envelope, right away, tails. She wags her tail so much, Ziggy does, mm-hmm. that she knocks herself off balance. Oh my gosh! That's how excited she gets to do this. So that's why when people complain about this part of the show, it's like, no, you don't understand. Like, she loves this. Yeah, you know, like. Even if it wasn't on the show, I'd continue to do it just because of watching how happy she is. You know what I mean? Talia could give two shits. Talia's just like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> you know, but Ziggy gets – and it was, it was – if you want, look at the latest video. Watch how excited she is when she's making her pick. Well, if you're not giving two shits, she sure does pick really well. Yeah. That's why I look at Talia. Like, come on. Like, at least give me a, give me a little excitement. Like, yeah. you're picking really good. Yeah, as I'll say, boy, holy and shit. And my buddy who who every so many so often will take the dog's picks and go to Vegas with them, mm-hmm. took Talia's picks this week. Cleaned let's up, say, Let's just say she's getting some brand new toys are coming in the mail for her. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Yeah. I'm about to take Talia's picks and go play them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of money to be had there. Yeah, he won a little bit, and he's he's like, uh, she have any allergies? I said no. He goes, she liked this stuff, and so he's sending her like a big box from Chewy is coming. So wow, wow. So there you go, folks. That's Ziggy's picks for the week. Uh, we got a couple of animal stories to close it out in honor of. Oh, the right. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, a little bit of animal irony in our first story. Okay. Uh, an eco-activist trying to prove loggers had forced a brown bear out of its den was attacked by the animal itself. <laughs> <laughs> I just kicked these loggers out of here. Now you're here. Get the hell out of my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> be free, bear. Be free. And then the bear goes, Rawr, fuck you. Rawr, and then goes after the guy. This reminds me of the, the bear man, the grizzly guy that 
was documenting grizzlies on um, Kodiak Island in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And there's a documentary about it. And the whole document's like him showing all that. And then it ends by him getting eaten by the bears that he was researching. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they're wild animals, you idiot. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, by the way, the little Reddit thing I was going to go on, I won't go on it this week, maybe next with, week. With the, the, the kid in the, his mom's basement eating mac and cheese and hot dogs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll save it for next week. Okay. Yeah. It's funny, though. I will tell, tell you guys to tease you. I actually got banned out of the, I don't think it's the official Minnesota Vikings Reddit page. I got, I got banned initially for 14 days. Because great. because some snot nosed kid told me um, I was a fucking moron on my take and on Kirk Cousins. The best part of that too is you list reasons why Cousins is not good, and all he right. comes back was, "Well, you're dumb." Yeah, he came back. No, he's, <laughs> like he no, came back no counteraction. What he came back with is one sentence. He yeah. said, "If you think Kirk Cousins was the reason why the Vikings were losing, because they were losing at that point, yep, they were one and three. He said, "You're a fucking moron." To which I let it sit. I didn't say anything to little yeah. snot-nosed bling-blong boy is what his name is. I'm right it. Yeah, I named him. I let it sit. Yeah. So then when 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 Kirk O'Klutzy went and, and <laughs> tore his Achilles and then came Josh Dobbs and did all that wonderful stuff, all I did was comment to him and say, huh, well, that aged well. <laughs> That's all I said. And then he, again, said another derogatory comment to me. And I proceeded to cut a wrestling promo on him that made him look like a fucking idiot. Because you threw facts at him. Yeah, because I threw facts. That's the best. When you argue with people online like that and you throw facts, I love when the response is, well, you're dumb. Okay, let's have a conversation. (laughs) You, You say I'm a moron. This is the reason why I'm not a moron. You show me a reason why I'm a moron. Not... Well, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. And because I pointed out his intelligence level and the fact that he would probably get off on Julie dressing him in Kirk Cousins' Cole's clothing with Cole's bucks, <laughs> they banned me for 14 days. You That's know? great. And I love it. it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and I was told by the administrator that was just harsh. We had to, we had to, we had to take your comments off of the page because they went against our standards. I said, oh, really? Well, what did you do to the guy who called me a fucking moron? Because he was in violation, too. Well, we emailed his mother and now he's grounded. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's more to the story, but uh, I had to I had to answer him, the, the, the administrator, back today because... There were two other guys who piled on who were making fun of people with mental illness by coming at me and saying, well, dude, maybe you should just calm down and take your meds or, you know, and making fun of people with mental illness. And I said, well, what are you doing about these guys? Are they banned? They better be. They should be. Making fun of mental illness is no joke. Nope. I've yet to receive a response. And they reinstated me. That's the thing. When I came back at them and pointed out that, hey, I wasn't the one who attacked. So uh, you're not banned anymore, huh? No, 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 no. They reinstated me immediately. Oh, I can't wait till next week to hear the rest of the story. <laughs> See so, what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. 
So I told him, get your act together. Because you got trolls running around picking on people who are just pointing out facts. Yep. And if it's an opinion that they don't like, then you let them run roughshod over people and you don't clean up your own backyard. So clean up your own backyard. It's probably the administrator's kid. Don't worry, he's grounded now. <laughs> we grounded him. We took his way we took away his his iPad. Aw. What's he gonna do? He won't be able to play Fortnite. <laughs> okay, back to the show. Um, which by the way, don't ever piss me off. I'll cut a promo on you that'll slice you wide open and pour alcohol in your paper cuts. Yep. I learned from the best. Anywho, uh, and that's right. You'll cry in your tomato soup and mommy won't cut the crust off your grilled cheese. (laughs) And by the way, we don't allow that shit in the darkness radio chat room either. No. (laughs) Somebody call somebody a fucking moron. They're out. (laughs) Yeah, you've been... You've been kicking people. And, and the best thing is the, the people in that chat, they police for us. So, like, right. somebody comes up right away. It's at Tim. <laughs> hey, Tim. That's right. <laughs> You're like, I got it, guys. Like, not on here 24-7, but I got it. <laughs> That's right. So, watch your P's and Q's. Okay, so back to the bear that uh, didn't like the the uh, the eco guy. That's trying to save his home. Yeah, that's trying to save his home. An eco-activist. That's right. An eco-activist who was trying to prove loggers had forced a bear out of its den was attacked by the animal in what a Polish official bruiser described as an irony of fate. I'm about to it tell. Is. I'm about to tell a Polish joke after I was talking about being politically correct. <laughs> The German protester had traveled to Poland's Carpathian Mountains along with another activist to prove that the bear had abandoned the den, this according to the Telegraph. But instead, the bear emerged from its den and surprised the pair before chasing them into the woods. <laughs> What's he going to do? Is he going to hand him a treat? Uh, run. <laughs> hand? Lay down, play dead, or get big. You're supposed to get big and yell back. <laughs> Get big. What was he going to do? Stroke it? <laughs> he should have stood up when I'm saving your home. <laughs> you can't do it, so I'm saving. Why are you eating me? Stop eating me. I'm saving my home. <laughs> hand, him, hand him a treat. Pull back a stump. <laughs> uh, one of the activists stumbled and fell, and the animal mauled him. The Telegraph said it was, or he was airlifted to a hospital in serious condition. A spokesperson for the Polish state forests. That sounds like a joke in itself. Yeah, it does. Mikal Zoe, I believe it is. No, Gzowski is what it is. Uh, Shared images of the bear approaching the activist and then him with shit running down his leg. uh, Taken by camera set up to monitor the lair. A grown male European brown bear can weigh up to a thousand pounds bruiser and stand it over eight feet tall. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, go, go prove you're right. Go walk up to him <laughs> and see. they the mess with. <laughs> yeah. Go walk up to him and see how he's doing. Quite an irony of fate, pseudo, uh, pseudo-ecologists were attacking foresters, mountain rescue, and policemen, and now these people were saving their lives, he said. This is a, a quote from the Polish state forest guy. Yeah. 
Saving their lives, huh? Yep. <laughs> the Polish says no. <laughs> the, the Polish state forest guy also asked, "Will there be a Darwin Award?" <laughs> oh, he said that referencing a tongue-in-cheek prize for those who tip chlorine into our gene pool by accidentally <laughs> removing their own DNA from it. That's a quote from his as well. I love this guy was mauled by a bear, taken to a hospital, barely hanging on, and the Polish people are just like, "Yeah, you're an idiot." <laughs> like you just—they have no sympathy for this guy whatsoever. <laughs> he attempt the bear, he comes after you. Yep. The Wild Carpathians Initiative, which the activists were part of, said they should not have disturbed the bear preparing for hibernation. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, leave that to us. Yeah. <laughs> activists have expressed concern about deforestation in the Carpathian Mountains and how it might affect the Polish bear population of about 150. Uh, the Wild Carpathians Initiative spokesperson noted that a bear had previously attacked a forester in the same location and said the Forestry Service had failed to prevent further deforestation. I think that's because it's their job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they get paid to do. That's right. That's why they're calling you a moron. Yep. Earlier this year, the independent campaigning organization Greenpeace said it had monitored 40 trucks loaded with timber leaving the region each day on just one road. Mark, I believe this is Josephiak, the... Environmental policy officer for Greenpeace said that only 3% of the forest is protected while the rest can be logged or built on, the Telegraph reported. Well, here's the thing. Not that I'm sticking up for the foresters by any chance, but, you know, most foresters these days, as they deforest, they also replant. Yeah, it's a law here in the States. I know that. I don't know if it is in Europe, but yeah. I don't know about Europe, but here in the States it is. In the States. For every tree they cut down, they have to plant the tree type thing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That's why if if you watch uh, Axemen and stuff, they talk about like, we can cut here, we can't cut here because this is still growing. So we're authorized to cut here. And like, there's a huge fine if you go into that other section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I don't know. Yeah, and I guarantee you they look for bears before they start cutting on like this guy who's like we're gonna save this bear because they're taking his house oh wait he's still home (laughs) yeah yeah i I somehow doubt that there was much checking going on there especially by the (laughs) eco i'm not gonna call him an eco terrorist but uh the eco uh what idiot eco idiot yes yes. yeah because, like, yes, you want you have the planet's best interest. That's great. But you did it the wrong way this time. And you paid the price for it. Right. And finally, on the big show today, a deer rings a deputy's doorbell in Georgia. <laughs> what a polite deer. It is a polite deer. I mean, we are we are in deer season here in Minnesota, and, and not a lot of deer are ringing doorbells. Uh, for fear of what's on the other side, but uh, in Georgia, evidently, it's uh, it's it's the season to be merry. Yeah, there's not a lot of deer around here. <laughs> Probably because they're farmed out. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. A Georgia's sheriff's office shared security camera footage of a deer that wandered up to a deputy's front door and rang the doorbell. The Cherokee County Sheriff's Office posted a video to Facebook showing the deer sniffing around the deputy's front porch in Canton. The deer ends up ringing the doorbell with its muzzle. Aw. 
uh, Cherokee County residents be on the lookout for this four-legged ding-dong ditch suspect <laughs> captured on video at one of our deputies' homes in Canton the other day. The sheriff's office went on to write, so there you go. There's a ding-dong ditch suspect in Canton, Georgia. I love stories like that. Like the last week we had the, the or was it yesterday, the bear stealing the Taco Bell and coming back for the drinks and just ring cameras are a great invention. That's all I got to say. It's true. And, you know, you can't trust nature. So yeah. there's that. And uh, that does it for today. Bruiser, you have a huge weekend coming up, my friend. Huge. Uh, it's called Wrestlecade. It's in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, AML puts it on. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Friday, there's the GCW show. Saturday is the Big Giant Super Show. And Sunday, there's Ladies Night Out and AML. But along with all that, the Fan Fest is going on Saturday and Sunday. There's meet and greets on all three days. There's a podcast going on. Shane Taylor's talking about 40 years of the franchise. Uh, Matt Hardy's got a podcast. Jeff Hardy's performing live with his music. Mm -hmm. Um, You can meet. I don't even know how many vendors they got coming in. It's it, there's gonna be between eight and ten thousand people there. Wow. Um, there's still I think very limited tickets left. I know there's people online trying to sell their tickets because family stuff came up. Mm-hmm. But it it's it's gonna be a great time. And plus side, on Saturday I return to the ring. I'm in a five on five match. Um, first time since surgery, so what seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, See if the old guys got. I mean, I I've been working out at the school and stuff, and and you know, getting back in shape, and my brain's fried because I've been talking to creative for because I'm producing one, two, three, four different shows. <laughs> so wow, but yeah, Wrestlecade. Um, if you go amlwrestling.com, it's on there. You go to Darkness Show, uh, DarknessRadioShow.com. Yep. You got the whole schedule up there. Uh, come out, say hi. If you're a listener, please. I love talking to listeners when I do these appearances because it's good to see the, the my two passions cross over with the paranormal and the wrestling. And I love when I see the wrestling fans at the shows. And come by, say hi. And and if we got time, we'll we'll give Cruiser a call, maybe like you did with your your absolutely, con. absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to love to see people show up at WrestleCade, and I'd love to say hi to them if they're there talking to you. Um, also, if you're if you can't make it to Winston Salem this weekend, and you still want to see Bruiser wrestle this weekend, you can do so by subscribing to the Title Match Network, and we have a link yep. in that events page at DarknessRadioShow.com where you can do so. There's a link there where you can click on, it takes you right to the Title Match Network page with all the WrestleCade events. You can click on there's one there's one link I believe for all the events this weekend, one yep. package for everything. So you can click on that. You can do that. Uh, Title Match Network, $9.99 a month. Very affordable. If you subscribe to Title Match Network, you can also follow AML Wrestling, which is Bruiser's home federation. You can now see Bruiser every month on AML Wrestling. So there you go. And I want to thank some of the listeners because I was talking to Telly, who owns Title Match Network. He uh, he runs Ladies Night Out, which is on Sunday. And I'm, I'm producing, doing agenting. So we had a creative meeting. And... Uh, Oh, you know, I mentioned, well, you know, we have this podcast. We mention it all the time. He goes, I've seen our subscription going up. So I don't know if it's the listeners, but I'm going to say it's our listeners. So thank you. Good, 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 good. That's good to hear. So, folks, that's the scoop this weekend. Wrestle K. Check it out. Check out Bruiser's Return to the Ring. 
Uh, check out all the great things that are going on with Russell Cade this weekend on the Title Match Network. Again, if you need to get there, if you want to get there, you can either get there in person in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, get your tickets through darknessradioshow.com, the event section, or just subscribe to Title Match Network. Watch it all from the comfort of your home if you can't make it to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Ain't a damn thing going on with me this weekend. Ain't a damn thing going on but the rent and me watching Title Match Network and checking out my buddy here and his return to the ring. So that's what's going on here. All right. There you go. So that'll do it for today's program. Tomorrow on the big show, Lon Strickler. We're going to be talking monsters and cryptids. That's going on tomorrow with Lon Strickler. So that'll do it for the big show today. For Beer Stage Bruiser, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for spending your hard-earned time, your time, uh, listening to this program. We'll see you again tomorrow for the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio.